Ryan. Yes. You've called an emergency meeting with the Jedi Council. Let the date be known, folks. 1031, the year is 2019, Halloween night. Ryan, why are we here? So I came up, well, I was thinking about Star Wars theories on my way into work, and it just kept evolving over like my first two hours of work. And then I couldn't concentrate at work because I was thinking Star Wars. Happens to the best of us. So I left. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I left early and took some comp time to contemplate life. Yeah. Play some games. Good. And yeah, we canceled our plans with my parents and your wife and your dog to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> That's kind of how that played out. So I get a message or text message from Ryan uh, as I was walking Scooby this morning, and you said we need to talk about Star Wars on Saturday, and I'm thinking, okay, you just watched Attack of the Clones, probably just, you know, hot and heavy thinking about Padme and Geonosis, mm-hmm. and then you sent me like a separate text as I was driving, and you're like, dude, we should podcast tonight. I can't stop thinking about Star Wars. I can't even think straight, and I'm thinking like, dude, calm down. I'm just trying to listen to Coldplay on the way to work, and then I get another text, and I don't even know what the heck you said, but well, you know what? Let's just pull this shit up right now on my phone. I have my phone here. I come prepared to the podcast. So Ryan said at uh, 7.40, we need to talk Star Wars Saturday. 8.01. And, and by the, so I, I don't respond to any of these individually. Yeah. We need to talk Star Wars Saturday. 7.40 a.m. 8.01. Dude, I'm tempted to say we record Star Wars thing tonight. It's all I can think about. 8.01. Seconds have gone by. Lauren thinks it sounds awesome. I said, wait, slow down. What? Are we not going to the parents anymore tonight? Because as the holiday would imply, we were going to go to the parents' house tonight to see all the little trick-or-treaters, see what costumes were trending. And, uh... That didn't happen. And I was like, bro, if you got Star Wars theories, cancel that shit. We got to talk about Star Wars right now. So Lauren took one for the team. Let's take a moment of silence for for Lauren's awesomeness, Ryan. Moment of silence, gone. (laughs) So she took Scooby over there so that Ryan and I could... Um, well, then I get a frantic text from you later. You're like, hey, did you talk to them? And I was like, I texted Lauren, or I, I am'd Lauren like four, hour ago, four hours ago. She was in meetings. And then I texted Dad. I was like, hey, we're going to record Star Wars things tonight. Well, the more and more I think thought about it, I'm like, well, gosh, now I'm like... I'm theorizing. I'm thinking like about boring. what you're theorizing. And then I told my coworker, Brian. Say hi to Brian. Hey, Brian. What's up? He started listening to the show. Yeah. So What's up? <laughs> let's, let's actually pause real quick. The reason why Brian's listening is because the podcast is now on Spotify. Yeah, because he discriminates. He does. Podbean and where are, what iTunes? iTunes. Um, what other platforms do we have this on? Stitcher, I think it's on there. Google Stitcher? Play. What is Stitcher? Don't worry about it, Ryan. All right. It's another pod- <laughs> We're on Pornhub. <laughs> just our voices and like a just. Our shirts off with I'm still holding the moonlight greatsword. I'm <laughs> sure <like> someone <laughs> someone gets someone gets off yeah. to your voice, Ryan. Yeah. But anyway, hey, so ladies. Brian, I told him that Ryan, you had come up with this elaborate theory about the final fight. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Oh, well, tell me what it is, because Brian did some digging on spoilers and leak supposed leaks, and he's rather convinced from about a, a few particular theories, and uh, he's like, I'll kind of, you know, pick at it and see if he's correct. And he's like, what did he say? And I said, he's not going to say anything. He wants to get my live reaction to the podcast. So we're actually going to have a cold opening. So welcome to that, the new format of the show. We're doing this now, talking about these theories on Thursday. And then Ryan and I will actually record the the, the meat of the podcast on Saturday. Yeah. We'll talk about our normal segments, games we've been playing. Of course, we're getting into the top 10 childhood games and all that fun stuff. 
But today, Ryan, we're here to hear your theories. Yes. So please, enlighten us. So this is once uh, Ray and Kylo get to ice the iceberg in the space. Where we're led to believe that that's where Palpatine's... Okay, Palpatine. Palpatine's throne. And... So basically, it starts out with Rey and Kylo were beaten easily. Like, they're no match for a Darth Sidious. And there's some Force ghosts there. There's Yoda and Luke who are basically spectating the fight uh, with Kylo and Rey and Darth Sidious. So they're just kind of looking in the background, kind of like, not so much cheerleaders, but they're fanning over their protégés and kind of giving advice. And then Ghost Luke says, it's time for us to leave you now. And Yoda also chimes in, carry on the Jedi, or carry on the Jedi Order. Very nice. Well, you shall do. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yeah. And then um, basically the figures kind of fade and they turn into like particles of energy and it kind of centralizes into like a singularity, like a single location. And then out of this is a portal that opens up between the worlds of the living and the dead. Because... I was listening to a bunch of Star Wars shit, and apparently under Darth Vader's castle is a portal to the dead realm, or like wherever people go when they die. Okay. In Star Wars, and it's canon. Interesting. From the comics. So, um, through that walks a white-cloaked figure. Uh, The robes would be a similar style to Darth Sidious. Um, The portal fades as Luke and Yoda sacrifice themselves as Force Ghosts. For this individual to come back. Okay. And basically, you can die as a force ghost. All right. I'm going to move your mic a little closer because this is going to be important stuff that the listeners have okay. to hear. So, I think it's also original canon that force ghosts have a limited amount of time. And then they go back into the force. So, basically, Luke and Yoda would have used up all of their time to create this portal. Okay. The two. They can... I mean, it would be an introduction of new abilities that force ghosts would have. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the, what the figure says is, Hello, Senator. And he, as he throws shade at the Dark Lord, he removes his hood the same way Luke did in The Last Jedi when it revealed it was Luke on the mountain. Yep. As a callback. And Hayden Christensen as Anakin is standing there. Palpatine instantly attacks him with lightning, having trained, or let's see, having trained on the other side with Yoda, he casually puts his hand up. And stops the light, the lightning, just like Yoda did in Attack of the Clones with uh, Darth Tyrannus or Dar- Count Dooku, uh-huh. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. then he basically Kamehameha waves it back at Palpatine, and then Palpatine's stunned, and then um, he turns to Kylo, who has idolized him basically the last two movies. He's like, "Hello there, grandson. You fought well," and he goes and picks up Kylo's T lightsaber and ignites it. And then it would be really cool because you'd have the red contrasting, like, T-saber on his white cloak. Yeah. Kind of like fucking Gandalf walking in there just with a lightsaber. Hell yeah. And then Anakin would be like, I like what you've done with the design, but this color doesn't suit me anymore. And he puts his hand over the hilt and draws out the dark side energy or hatred from the crystal because that's how red crystals become red is they pour all their hatred and dark side energy into the crystal and it just corrupts it. So he'd basically uh, pull out that dark side energy and it would turn the uh, blade into like a crackly dark blue blade. Okay. Um, Let's see. Then Anakin would be much better. uh, Like my master before me, throwing more shade as his... Oh, Kim Possible's calling me. 
Uh, he would throw more shade at his ex-master Sidious while referencing that he's now a Jedi Master. Having mastered and become, like, finally, because he was a Jedi Knight when he passed away. So then Anakin would turn to Palpatine. Palpatine relights his two red lightsabers. Anakin raises his lightsaber over his head. Similar, it's Form 5. It's the aggressive style mastered in his days of the Sith and when he fought started Obi-Wan to fight Mustafar. Obi-Wan. Yeah. yeah, so the same kind of style. Yeah. And then he would reposition his hands and change forms into Form 7, which is Vapad, which is the only form that was successful against Arsidious. Vapad is what Mace Windu used against Darsidious when he was in the room. And he beat him. Yeah. And basically you channel why it's dangerous and they didn't they kinda outlawed it. Outlawed, in the, outlawed yeah. it in the Jedi Council or in the Jedi training is because you actually have to channel their dark side energy through yourself and throw it back at them. So you're basically using their energy and you can fight longer. Okay. This is an educational podcast, yeah, folks. So We've talked about that thing. before. Um, and then Anakin and Darth Sidious would fight using a ton of awesome force powers, kind of like a force unleashed. Well, Anakin was channeling both the dark side and the light side of the force while being in complete balance, like a gray Jedi. Okay. And then Anakin would win and kill Darth Sidious. The chosen one who would bring balance to the force versus Darth Sidious. The rise and, of Skywalker. Ooh. Hayden Christensen back for the kill. Wouldn't that be amazing? So I think a lot of things to digest here. The one thing that I love the most about this is because having gone back and watched the prequels, having grown up with the prequels, George Lucas himself has been quoted as saying that the that Star Wars has always been about Anakin. Yes. And it was about his redemption in the original trilogy and the prequels about him becoming Vader, knowing full well that he was going to be redeemed at the end of his character arc. And with the title of this movie being The Rise of Skywalker, I don't think that Skywalker should be Rey necessarily. I think we should go back because Lucas was consulted by J.J. in creating this movie. Lucas always wanted Palpatine to come back and for Anakin to have the the final blow against Palpatine because he didn't... I mean, you thought he killed him in the original movie, yeah. the original trilogy, but for him to come back and finally lay this to rest for good would yeah. just be a, such a satisfying conclusion, not only to this saga, but his character arc, Palpatine's death. I, while I would love to see Kylo sacrifice himself in some heroic way, if you're going to bring back any Force ghosts, I want it to be Anakin. And all that stuff that you said, some of it was a little cheesy, a little bullshittery, but I like Bring him back not as a Force ghost. He's actually a human. Oh. Yeah, he's alive. So, okay, so... When Luke and Yoda sacrifice themselves to the Force... They open up a portal to the dead realm and bring him back so, as a human being. And he's in physical form. I feel like you're going to have a lot of people pissed off because you basically did a... You kind of went back in time to get his body before he became Vader. Why? Why would they be pissed off? Well, I mean, listen, people are going to pick apart this movie yeah, regardless. Um, they're going to say, oh, time jump, stupid, you know, whatever. But Not really. I mean, in the comics, Darth Vader goes into or gets tricked by some Sith Lord trying to ba- bring um, Padme back. It turns out she, like, commits suicide a bunch of times and then he turns into a demon. But, like, and that's also where he sees, like, Darth Sidious manipul- manipulating the Force, mm-hmm. like, to create him. 
Like you, I, there's some weird shit that you could not retcon, but expand upon, like in the main movies and not the comics. Okay, so let's kind of rewind before your theory here. Okay, how do we get to this point? At what point in the storyline does Kylo say, "You're right, Ray. This is stupid. I need to help you fight and defeat the ultimate evil here." Well, what I'm kind of afraid of, the more I think about it, is to get to some place when, one, you have to introduce a whole new bad guy. You have to explain to them who the Emperor was, because this is First Order is basically all they know for their life. I'm afraid it's going to turn into a bunch of fetch quests and, like, them hopping around the universe to a bunch of different planets to decode something. And then they're going to end up going to the Outer Reaches and finding this throne room. I'm not sure exactly. Maybe over Kylo and Rey's fights, he sees light. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Or maybe when they kill um, Vader's helmet, some of that hatred and that tie to that Sith artifact. Because some of the theories that I was looking at was basically Sidious was using a cursed Sith artifact, that ring that um, what's-his-face had. To come back. Plagueis. Through, no, no, no. Through, um, God, what's the robe guy? That Snoke. Smeagol played. Snoke. Yeah, Snoke. Yeah. Well, that red ring that was on his, or the uh, black crystal ring. Yeah. That was from below Darth Vader's castle where that portal into the dead realm is. Oh. Using Sith shit. It could be Sidious that was actually manipulating Snoke. Mm-hmm. Or Snoke was Sidious in his weakened form when he was working to recover through back to tanks or whatever. I think that's a very likely scenario. Now, what I'm confused about and hesitant to really buy into this, not necessarily the Hayden Christensen part. I think I honestly think that's no doubt in my mind. Hayden Christensen will be in this movie. One way or another. One way or another. Whether it's in this you know significant um, way, I don't think so, but I, I certainly hope so. Um I don't see Sidious getting up with dual lightsabers flipping around like he did with Yoda in Revenge of the Sith. That was just... I, I was watching some of the Clone Wars stuff, and it was verse, it was Darth Maul and Savaz Opress, his brother, fighting or, uh, Sidious, where he had two, two dual lightsabers. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that on screen with CGI instead of animated. So that's just like my pipe dream. More realistically, it's a cybernetic version of him. Yeah. Where he's more force powers and like one lightsaber. And that's the thing. Yeah. Well, then you got to think too, does he have any of his royal guards or any of Snoke's Praetorian guards, you know, that are are there that Rey has to fight through to get to him? I think Uh, we checked the box in The Last Jedi with fighting guards. Yeah. I think it should be Darth Sidious. He's come back from the dead in one way or another, most likely a cursed Sith artifact. And potentially um, Kylo is like the cursed artifact of Darth Vader's helmet is pulling him to the dark side. And it wasn't just Snoke. And when they kill that artifact, his tether to the dark side could be broken. I'm afraid it's just going to be Rey versus Darth Sidious. They're going to pump up her power level make her go super saiyan 2 to give her a boost and or a, what is it uh where times 10 whatever goku does mm-hmm. dragon ball z i'm afraid that's going to happen it's just going to be those two and i think bringing back the chosen one 
to bring balance would be awesome. Yeah, no, I agree entirely. I think bringing Anakin back would just be so amazing. Um, the mo- I watched the first two of the prequel this week, mm-hmm. and I started the con- or the two-hour comic one that was released on Cartoon Network. And the more and more I see Anakin, the more and more I miss him. Yeah. Like, shitty writing in Clone Wars, or Attack of the Clone, but he's still an awesome character. Yeah, And, like, watching through the Clone War animated stuff, he's awesome. Yeah, well, especially throughout the the entirety of the Clone Wars cartoon, too. He's he's awesome, too. Well, even just seeing him mentor Ahsoka Tano was so awesome. You know, to him be more in the teacher role... uh, when he was once the student of Obi-Wan's was really pretty neat too. To see their dyna- dynamic was awesome. And um, what, what was the nickname he called her too? It was so weird. S- uh, uh, Snips or something Snips. like that? Snips, yeah. yeah. But yeah, their their role or their um, their relationship was so awesome. And yeah, well, my pipe dream would be seeing uh, Ahsoka, Fulcrum Ahsoka Tano in this movie. Well, I'm afraid that article that you sent was would be true. Oh yeah, so we did read an article this week that Brie Larson has been posting a lot of photos lately of being in, in Jedi outfits. Yeah. And Kevin Feig, who is now, I think, overseeing all Marvel movies. Feige? How do you pronounce his last name? Yeah. He is, um, I think he got the rights to do a Star Wars movie, and there's rumors out there that he wants Brie Larson to play Ahsoka Tano. I'd be uncool with this. Yeah. I don't really <laughs> know who, like, what female actress I'd really want to play her have the girl who did Rayla Secura from Revenge of the Sith play her. That wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean... Do you know what she looks like? She was in green No, I don't. Makeup. But was she a great actress? I mean, could she be the, the prominent, you know, figure in the, the film? She looked like she could be her as older version. Yeah. Like, just look up Rayla Secura I love- on that... How about just add another, you know, bullet point to her ever-expanding um, filmography, and she's a rising actress. Why don't you throw a young Millie Bobby Brown? That I would love to see her as young Padme, or like a Padme movie, or a Princess Leia movie. That's what it was. Princess Leia. Princess Leia movie. That would yeah. be awesome, because that's addressed in Rebels. Yeah. Like, some of her crazy shit, like hijacking ATATs and, like, being kick-ass. So there's something that I want to talk to you about, Ryan. There, I think we briefly mentioned it on last week's episode about two photos that leaked yes. after this trailer that dropped last Monday. You've not seen these yet. That's true. I have seen these. One of them is complete and utter bullshit. There's no way it's real. It just looks like some like some ninth grader you know, tried to perform a home movie for his, his digital arts class. There's okay. no way it's true. The second one also doesn't look to the degree of quality I would expect in a J.J. directed Star Wars movie yeah. or really any Star Wars movie at all post you know 1983's Empire Strikes Back but the concept of it is definitely believable Okay. one piece of it in particular is what I want to discuss with you Okay. do you want to see these photos? fuck it why not? it's leaks man you can never like and, and I wouldn't show it to you if it one confirmed your theory 100%, certainly with the whole Anakin thing. And I also wouldn't show it to you if... Um, I don't remember what the second reason was. It doesn't matter. Okay. So why don't you come over to my computer here and look at these photos. And I will let you... So spoilers for folks that don't want to know. I would say 
just fast forward five more minutes and Ryan and I will be done talking about these photos. Probably not. You might want to just fast forward you 10 can minutes. Stamp it. I can, I'll timestamp it in the end of, uh, or in the show notes of the episode. I don't typically do that, but with this spoiler territory, it's, it's very important. So just look at the show notes. You can fast forward to when the normal show starts. Ryan, let's right. check out these photos. So the first one you have here is Palpatine, and I don't even know what the fuck I'm looking at. Okay. That looks a little like his body doesn't even look like it should be there. It looks like it was photoshopped on. So you have Palpatine sitting on his throne, and of course, this is the throne that we saw in the trailer. It was original concept art in Return of the Jedi. J.J. went back, and he brought it into this film. You have Rey with her lightsaber in the garbs that she's wearing in the trailers of the film, so that's believable at least. Yeah, it's a classic glute shot. Yeah, but you have... uh, doing unlimited power up in the air palpatine with looks like a black robe with kind of this these red uh garments underneath well, that it's a mixture between where he addresses the senate in the sith red robes i think they're called like nurgle robes or something like that um in the third episode after he becomes Darsidious, and he's kind of embraced it and a mixture of his regular robes the black ones but it almost looks like he's wearing like Cyclops's like mask from the X Men. I don't know what's on his face, but it, it looks like he's wearing a mask. Oh no, he's not. No, it's, it's his mouth open. He's looking up. Yeah. I didn't interpret that picture well the first time. Okay, now that's almost more believable. Yeah, that looks believable. Interesting. And the next one. You ready for this, Ryan? You ready for this? So in this next photo, Ray has a blue lightsaber, and my boy Kylo also has a blue lightsaber, which I believe to be at the end of Rey's training on Endor or wherever planet she's at with Leia. Leia will give her her blue lightsaber that she trained with growing up, instructs her and pleads with her to bring her son back to the light side. She will end up giving this lightsaber to Kylo to help her fight Palpatine. I could see that. It would make... Because there's a lot of pictures around, I don't probably photoshopped of Rey with two lightsabers, right? So she probably... If there... It's... If the movie would run similar to, like, them... By them. Rey and Kyla going to the same places, fighting at those places to try to understand different artifacts or things. Mm-hmm. Say the light side or Rey gets to there first, sees Palpatine... Palpatine's like, what's up? And then when Kylo gets there, then that's when he helps, and that's when he shows up. Say Ray just gets destroyed. That's my guess, is that she's probably just going to get absolutely wrecked. And then she has both the lightsabers, and he picks up one, because it's fallen out of her hand as she's, like, beaten up. Mm-hmm. And then they come together, and it's Ray and Kylo versus Sidious. Yeah. All interesting stuff. So, question for you. I don't want to go on too long here. If Hayden Christensen's Anakin Skywalker does come back through this realm of Portal of Death, and he's basically the grandfather of Kylo, and he's the same age or younger than Kylo, how do you think that plays out? Like, okay, let's live the rest of our lives together, but I'm the same age as you. So I was doing more research. Oh, and Leia, by the way, hey, hey, daughter, I know you're like 30 years older than I am, but... Well, okay, so what would happen would be in the episode of the, like, Planets of Mortis, where the father, the son, and the daughter were, um, 
basically the father addresses Anakin and does a test to him to prove that he's the chosen one. That'll bring balance to the force. And he passes it. He's the chosen one. And the father asks, you're the chosen one who will bring balance to this force. I ask you to stay on this planet and remain balance of the force. I would say he's probably going to head out and leave to fulfill his duty as the chosen one. Interesting. And he, because there's a war going on, Anakin says, no, I have to leave. I can't go into hiding when a war is going on. If he comes back, kills Sidious, there's no war going on. There's no overarching bad guy. The galaxy's at peace. Kylo owns the First Order. He just changes it a bit, makes it less, let's murder kids. And then Anakin goes off and remains the constant like embodiment of the Force for the universe. I feel like it has to be like this because you can't retcon Anakin being the chosen one. Yeah. Like he was spawned by the Force, the midichlorians, or however you want to interpret that. Because it's his job to bring balance to the Force, not Rey or Kylo fighting Sidious. He, Anakin failed by bring, when Sidious came back. And it's Anakin's job to finish it. Their their fates are tied. If Sidious is back, Anakin sure as hell better be back because he's the only one with the power to do it. And he he was weakened as Darth Vader, as kick-ass as Darth Vader was. He's at full strength when he's Anakin. He's no mechanical bro who was lit on fire for a while. Dude, he's I'm bringing full power Anakin. Let's fuck shit up. And him using lightning and stuff. Because he's at peace, gray Jedi harnessing both sides of the light and dark. It would be awesome. Like, can you imagine Sidious be like, oh, fuck you, and does lightning? And he just goes, ha! And he just, like, single-handedly Kamehameha waves lightning back at Sidious. And he's like, I thought you were on the light side now. He's like, I'm everywhere, bitch. Dude, <laughs> like, I'm going awesome to wear a fucking foam finger that says Anakin's number one to this movie. I'm going to like erupt fanboying if that actually happens. Just even if imagine. even if you know that like, plays out where you know Ray and Kylo end up killing him and and we just see the Force Ghost of Anakin, I'll still go freaking crazy. Yeah, but like we saw it when in the remakes of the original movie, instead of the Darth Vader, we saw Hayden Christensen in the remake of the original three. Yeah, having him come back and just like basically fucking like in a cocky way with Darth Sidious, be like. Sub-Senator, which is how Anakin would have known him. Oh, it'd be so good. Yeah. Like, it could... Sure, it's a little bit cheesy, but how hilarious would that be? Like, how amazing. Because how tense that moment would be, and, like, how much lore and, like, deep shit people would have to understand or, like, get up to speed, having him be like, Hello, Senator. The rewatchability of something like that, and be like, Oh, he said, Hello, Senator, which is how he first started out. It's not Darth Sidious. It's not the Emperor. It's just some low-level grunt from Naboo who murdered his parents. Like, See, I think this is a lot more believable than trying to bring in something like the Dagger of Mortis and explain yeah. Plagueis and all this other backstory lore that's just going to completely confuse fans and of Star Wars. it gives, by Yoda dying for like time three at this point, Yoda sacrificing himself and Luke sacrificing himself in a way that's not shitting on the fans like... Let's force gross across the universe, be a cocky asshole like Luke never was. And Last Jedi, we can get a sacrifice to bring back his father, who he brought back from the dark side. And be like, here, here you go, the chosen one. 
I'll help you out, Kylo. Or Ray. I'm on board for this, bro. Right. Let the hype train start. We ain't stopping until December 19th at 9 o'clock, people. Get your tickets. They're probably already sold out, so you're going to have to see it the next weekend. Dude, I am so excited for this. I am really excited. And I hope all of you are too. I hope you'll get on the hype train. Get in on the Discord. I'll provide all of this, these shout-outs at the end of the episode, but... I hope you enjoyed Ryan's theory. I'm like seriously salivating at the mouth. Looking forward to Star Wars now. Ryan, why don't you say we cue up the intro to this podcast? Do it. Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Otaku Brothers Podcast. If you don't know my name by now, you have 61 episodes of homework. I'm just kidding. My name is Rusty, and today on this fine Saturday, I'm joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan, how you be? I'm all right. Yeah, we did some stuff this morning. We moved some people. <laughs> we did do that. <laughs> yeah, and then we got Chipotle, and then we're having a bunch of my co-workers over this evening to play some Smash. Some Smash, so you're going to hook that up on the HDTV for the Switch. Some Smash Ultimate, and then I'm going to bring the Nintendo 64. Do you have another like CRT TV over there? Yes. Okay. Not so, CR. I have another. Not one of those giant boxes, but you have a TV. I have a flat screen. Okay. So we'll hook that up, and we'll play some N64 going on when um, anyone that's not playing Smash Ultimate can hop over there, play yeah. some Perfect Dark. Yeah, it'll be a good time. And yeah. And then I'm crockpotting chicken. So we have a limited amount of time today. <laughs> That's right. We have a lot to get through. So hopefully you enjoyed that Star Wars segment in the beginning of the show. Ryan, as we said in the beginning of that, was uh, too excited to wait for Saturday, and I honestly couldn't have waited that long. So to hear about his crazy theories and predictions, again, get in on the Discord. Let us know what you think about that. We want to hear from you. But for this episode, as we promised weeks ago, we wanted to talk about the games of our youth, right? The top 10 games that influenced our childhood we had a cutoff of the PS2, Xbox, and GameCube era, so Ryan and I are going to get into that later in the episode, and of course, thank you to the listeners. We got a few more people, Ryan, to write into the Gmails, Very and then nice. I put something out on the Instagram, as I usually do, 24 hours before we record the show. Plenty of people shared some of their favorite childhood games. We also got some questions there. All right. So we'll get to that, but as we always do, Ryan, we got to start off the show talking about the games we've been playing this week. All right. Do you want to go first? No, you Throw go first. You, <laughs> you're like, do I? What did I play? I don't even know. So I did a bit of soul searching. and oh, I'm in, yeah. Did you find someone? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to play. And I got the challenge. Whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. Pump the brakes here. Speaking of soul searching and hearts being crushed, we found today, because we were going to Ryan's parents' house and we were looking for some GameCube <laughs> controllers. And he's like, oh, dude, check out this drawer of nerd and so in his bedroom that he grew up in as a child he had this drawer dedicated to just nerd shit so he had like crazy binders full of pokemon cards magic cards Yu-Gi-Oh, lord of the rings Whoa, cards no magic i'm not that nerdy. there were some magic cards were they? there were like three or four of them it might have been lauren's old deck though. okay because lauren had a deck throwing shade at lauren like that yeah you and your fucking land card <laughs> He also had about 14 packages of unopened Crazy Bones. Do you remember yeah, the those? the original pack. Some people called them Go-Go's, but Crazy Bones, Ryan had like 14 unpackaged Crazy Bones that we're going to uh, maybe open up on air for episode 100. 
stay tuned for that. I, I think that would be more of a visual experience. Well, that's why we would, we would do a, a stream on Twitch. Oh, okay. Yeah, we do like a live recording. I'm just going to be in a mask so you don't you can't find me. <laughs> <laughs> People know you look like from our logo. Yeah, well, what if I change, like dye my hair and shave my face? Get some Botox injections. You don't know me. Okay. Well, he also had some drawings of Pokemon that he created himself. What I'm getting at with the soul-searching thing, he drew a picture of two people, the guy having been broken <laughs> oh, having been broken up with by this girl. I'm posting this picture in the Discord. Oh, are you really? Shit. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we have a picture that we post for every episode of the podcast. I'm going to throw that up there. Ryan also had a bunch of other things that he wrote as a child. One of them I'm not sure we'll get to this episode. But he wrote a little Pokemon story called Diamond Mew. This yeah, is I had to drew a picture of it. Too. This stuff is golden. Like you can't, you can't, you know. I really wish make this I had stuff the uh, the furry bunny ninja story, where he, like fights rat evil on a boat. <laughs> I'm sure you'll find it. But yeah. this was seriously a treasure trove of Ryan's childhood. So we're gonna pull out some of these ancient artifacts over the course of the next few weeks in the show, or if we ever do do a live stream, could be fun stuff to read on air. But um, I've not read this Diamond Mew story, but I'm sure it's golden. If there's also, I don't know where it is. I might have, I'll have to look around when I clean my room tomorrow. Yeah. Um, there was one about a Blastoise. Like, I was really into Pokemon, to say the least. But You were? As in past well, no, no, tense? No, was, yeah, it was. Okay. Let's be honest, Ryan. Fine. <laughs> uh, you know that little Blastoise figure you found? Yeah. I wrote a story about him. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Him he... and, there, were, you, there was a King one in there, too. I saw him. Yeah. There were rivals. Back to you, Ryan. Games you've been Whoa, playing. You pulled this away from me. I didn't mean to. Okay. <laughs> After I yell into the mic, testing sound. During test, yeah. Yeah. All right. Games. So, I got the challenge from Krista's boyfriend to platinum Bloodborne because when he said he platinumed a bit, I was like, well, shit. I'm awful then because I have not platinumed him. I was in the process maybe a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. but I never got there. Um, so I have, at the start of the week, I had five trophies for the main game. One was like all hunter tools beat the game with the second ending, which is spoilers for a game that came out like, I don't know, six years ago. It was like four or five. Four or five years ago. Um, the second ending where you kill Scythe Guy in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one that I have yet to beat is the killing the scythe guy in the wheelchair plus the moon presence so that's like the final ending um and then i have the queen of yarnum uh all weapons and then i just i think that's it all five so i completed two of those i beat the game for the wheel killing the wheelchair guy mm-hmm. which sounds awful out of yeah context. killing cripples what's wrong with and you? then i got all hunter tools this week so i have three left um and then I actually, I was looking at how long does it take to beat Bloodborne, and I beat it in sub-seven hours, and it says 35. Wow, so, that's intense. Well, I was in the process of trying to learn how to speedrun Bloodborne, so I used a lot of those tactics. So basically, you go through um, the dude who killed his wife, was it Fa- Father Gascoigne, mm-hmm. and then you go No, I think to- his name was OJ. Oh, that's, yeah, that's the second Bloodborne. <laughs> okay, it's Bloodborne <laughs> it's about, too. Yeah, OJ trials. Yeah. So- Take just it off. To, yeah, shoes. Just to, I realized I had him on because I was fidgeting around with them, and then um, yeah, so I beat that. And um, after you kill Gascoigne, you end up going to Vicar Amelia, which is that like the girl in the white robes who turns into a dog thing. Oh yeah, 
And then right after that, you can go into the DLC, which is basically endgame stuff. So you sprint through and you get a bunch of chunks. And you can get the saw blade. It's just a, like a mace that you put a saw on the end. Mm-hmm. And then you can just storm through the game. Like, I think to get through um, the three ghosts all the way to the nightmare, it took me like half an hour. Okay. So you kill like three or four bosses super quick. Because you go ghost immediately to spider thing immediately to the unborn thing that like births from the moon placenta yeah and then you get right after that you're at um mikolesh and mikolesh doesn't take long and then you're at the end essentially so did that and then i also completed all the dlc so i had to kill Koss. Yeah, it's like the orphan of costs. Shines like meteorites. Another you. born placenta thing. Mm-hmm. And then I had to kill Lady Maria. Oh, I killed Lady Maria. Good teeth. Hey, you all right? Excuse me. Yeah, I've been seasoning a lot today. I think it's all the dust from that woman's basement. Yeah. Yeah. The person we moved this morning for context, people. Yeah. Well, apparently her family was like royalty of India. That was crazy to learn. Yeah. yeah. So like when her father died. India did a day like a day of mourning, which is crazy. Yeah, you know, Donald Trump will do that when I die. Yeah, (laughs) there's gonna be elephants parading through the streets. That's right. Yeah. Well, I killed the other boss, and then I got all of the weapons in the DLC. Mm -hmm. So I'm 100 percent done with Bloodborne DLC and three trophies to go to hunt to get my, which was gonna be my first platinum, until I looked through my library and saw that I was 98 percent through Horizon Zero Dawn. So I completed, like, kill all the 23 Banuk statues Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the game. It took, like, 10 minutes. And I got my first Platinum. Wait a second. So do you have two Platinums now? I'm going to after Bloodborne. Because Bloodborne was going to be my first Platinum. Oh, so Horizon was your first? First ever. Oh, okay. So I okay. That's why I sent it to you and I got one. And you're like, cool, I'm not even going to fucking respond. Well, (laughs) we'll get to that in a second. Just because my dog was bathing in his piss. Yeah. (laughs) Well, first of all, it was a... Yeah, are we getting... Let's get into this right now. So it was a rough day at work. Yeah. It's been a rough week, in all honesty. But I came home, I think it was Thursday night. Yeah, it was the night we were going to record for the Star Wars thing. Decided to talk you off a cliff. Yeah, and I come home... And Scooby is sitting in the back of his cage, and there's just a sea of pee that he's just bathing in. And I'm like, bro, come on now. You know we're not supposed to do this. And I'm like, oh, just be this boss. Just be this other boss. 100% in the DLC and my first platinum trophy. And, and it was really a string of like responses. seven text messages. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then I'm like, I look a little closer, and I'm like, is that my Darth Vader hoodie that the arm has been pulled into, like the sleeve has been pulled into the cage? I'm like, I'll worry about that later. Let's just get you in the tub and washed up. So I give Scoob a bath, and then I get him out, you know, dry him off and everything. And then I come back out here. He's going all crazy-like, doing his zoomies. And I come back to this scene of, of the crime over here where I have to, you know, mop up this sea of pee. And then I'm like, wait a second. Why is my Vader sleeve in there? And I pull it out, and it's just been completely ripped in two. And I'm like, dude, my Darth Vader hoodie's died. Like, gone now. It was cool looking. It was. Yeah. Mom's going to be sad. Yeah, because your mom got that for me for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of upsetting. But Scooby no longer smells like pee, so at least something good That's came good. out of that. Yeah. Well. What you need to do, though, please, is unhide your I was actually thinking your trophy it. stuff so I can actually see and keep track of your progress. Yeah. I do need to do that. Yeah. Well, 
the only other thing I really played this week was just more Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have everything I need except for three items to make my ultimate weapon. And then I should be good with that game until December where uh, Capcom just released a 15-year anniversary where they go through all the monsters with all the sizes associated with that. And then at the end, underneath, like, so it goes through Monster Hunter World and then Iceborne. Mm -hmm. And under the Iceborne section, they show these five black dragons. I was looking through lore today, and apparently the black dragons are, like, above even elder dragons, like, in the difficulty. Oh, wow. So they might be making it. It's currently capped out at Master Rank 6 for quest difficulty, and it might be Master Rank 7, which could be cool. And um, say Fatalis, who's like basically the god dragon of the Monster Hunter universe, mm-hmm. is potentially going to be in the game in December as that monster. Oh, okay. With like five other variations of him. Nice. We're Monster so, Hunter in queue for you then. Yeah, so I'm trying to figure out a way because basically now for these um, three last items, they're from three different monsters and you have to have your each biome maxed out. Mm-hmm. So I need, I think, a Glitter Pelt, which is a Tempered Rajang, which you need seven Volcanic Region in the Guiding Lands. And then I need like a Silver Rathian and a... Uh, basil geese basil yeah, goose of course that's what i was gonna guess but yeah. you said it first <laughs> <laughs> that b52 bomber and a silver dragon yeah sure okay and then an angry ape uh-huh yeah so i need to figure out how i raise my shit so yeah i'll, I'll get i have to max that out before i quit the game you think you'd ever go back and platinum monster hunter like base game that's what i was starting to work on so right now what i really have left is there's quests that filter through, like event quests that filter through every week and mm-hmm. have, like for each biome. So there's the ancient forest, which has the great Jagoras, like a yellow lizard, a blue fox, T-Rex, and a dragon. And you kill all four of them. And it's high rank. So you go through that quest and you have a very high chance of each quest getting a crown, which is either the largest or the smallest of that singular monster. Mm-hmm. Um so what I have to do for the base game is get gold crowns for both. Mm. All base game monsters. And I have a lot of them. It's just, it's a lot of time. I was going to say time-wise, how, how much so do you think it So I put, I was able to finish the ancient forest quest in about 15 minutes. Okay. Which is five monsters. I have two of those monsters already maxed out. And then I just really need the smallest of the T-Rex and the dragon and the largest of the Jagoras. Mm-hmm. So I, what I was thinking of doing, I, did, I ran the quest three times, um, was just hunting or going to the T-Rex until I get his crown, the smallest T-Rex. And then once I think I have the crown for that, kill everyone else. Besides that, just exit out. Okay. And just keep going. It's just a lot of grind. I mean, it took Ben... I mean, he has 800 hours in the game. Oh, wow. And he's platinum it. That eight, 800? Yeah. His playtime is close to my uh, Pokemon, Pokemon time. game. But his Pokemon time exceeds your Pokemon time. Slightly at this point. I think I'm at 909 hours. Wow. So I've just been collecting Mythics throughout the week, but nothing important. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So Monster Hunter. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do... Until Pokemon, I'm kind of at that lull where 
I don't feel like bloodborning because all I have to do is go into those catacombs and they're like randomly generated. Yeah. And I have to do that twice for the final weapon, which is like the beast claws on one of the floors, and then the queen is two floors below that. So it's just a ton of grind. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything on my shelf that you might enjoy um, that, was, that you don't already have. Yeah, I was feeling some Sekiro, but then I'm like, that's in along the Bloodborne kind of track. You need something less stressful than yeah. that. Something that, It's like mindless, but still somewhat enjoyable that you can kind of immerse yourself in. I don't know. I'll, I'll think of something. Okay. But, yeah. Cool. Well, this week for me, I was also kind of in a lull. Wasn't really sure what to play coming away from Evil Within and Dragon's Dogma. And, of course, I, I did order those 360 games that I had talked about previously. And I also... So we ended up, when we played Halo, we had to go to GameStop and get a controller. Because Lauren's Gears of War controller wasn't working. Yeah. For whatever reason. We didn't really know the, the, the root cause of that. So we got like a generic kind of just white controller, brought that back, and whenever you tried to move forward with the left analog stick, it wouldn't work. It was like you were trying to move through like mud. Yeah, someone was pushing you backwards with like a wall. So I was like, we were like, oh, what the heck? We're not going to be able to play Halo. And you were about to go home. And I'm like... Let's get creative, Ryan. Let's take the battery pack off of this jank controller, put it on Lauren's Gears of War controller and see if that works, and it did. So apparently Lauren's battery pack must just be fried yeah. for the Gears of War controller. So we were able to play Halo. All of that to say, I took the controller back, traded it back in, and got. I didn't trade it back in, I exchanged it for the money that I paid for it. But I'm like, let's just browse around and see their 360 and PS3 collection. Because now we're kind of at that turn of the generation where they're trying to just get rid of that stock. Same way prior generation when the 360 and ps3 had come out they were getting rid of all their xbox gamecube and um ps2 games yeah so i was browsing through those and and i am finding three 360 games that i was able to exchange for the price of uh the controller so i got two worlds which i previously talked about playing on the pc but i'm like this game's not working out for me with mouse and keyboard. I want to try with a 360 controller in hand. It was a game that they said would rival Oblivion in terms of its massive medieval RPG. And this is a glitchy horse one? Yes. So I got that. I got Dante's Inferno, yep. which of course is a God of War clone based on the literary work. And then I also got a duo pack of Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts and Viva Pinata. Okay. So I haven't played any of those games, but I wanted to just... They were super, super cheap, and I figured, what the heck? These are all games I think I would enjoy playing. Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts especially. I played the demo on the 360 back in the day, and it never really caught on. This whole, like, okay, let's build cars. Like, the worst part of Kingdom Hearts for me is the gummy ship. It's cool now. Well, in 3, it's fine, but in the earlier games, trying to construct a gummy ship was just a nightmare. And so that was really off-putting for me. But I've actually heard some pretty genuinely good things about Nuts and Bolts. Okay. And Grant Kirkup composed the soundtrack, so even if I just wander around and listen to the soundtrack, very vibrant and colorful world, whatever, I'll give it a shot. All of that to say, none of those games are really feeling like I wanted to sink my teeth in this week. I did put in two worlds on the 360, and it runs like absolute ass. Like, I feel like the world, you take five steps, and then it buffers and renders the yeah. world, and then you move forward even more. And even still, I just feel like there's so much graphical hiccup going on as you're navigating this world and i walked up to a bunch of warthogs and i'm like surely rusty can beat three warthogs and they just like all three of these pumbas just murdered me in seconds really and i'm like what the heck and then navigating the map is a nightmare you never really know where you're supposed to go so it's an oblivion killer yeah that clearly yeah <laughs> definitely rivals that game 
No, I'm sure I need to just look up a t- tutorial and just be like, okay, best practices with two worlds. What do I need to know to just be able to like really sink my teeth into this game? It's just the the interface of the menu system and everything just seems really clunky. Yeah. And I think once I can figure that out, it'd probably be an enjoyable RPG. So that wasn't I wasn't feeling that, but I did Kingdoms Kingdoms of Amalur did come in the mail, and I feel like that's a like a third person action RPG that I could get into. Remains to be seen, Ryan. What I did end up playing this week on the PS4, I was browsing the store and thinking, like, I'm in the mood for a first-person shooter, but I didn't want to pay $60 for the new Modern Warfare. Yeah. So I'm like, maybe there's an old Battlefield or something like that that I could get into for, like, you know, 10, 10 bucks or so. And I was browsing the store, and I came across Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast, which was released not too long ago after the Nintendo Direct announced it. This, unfortunately, wasn't the game I was thinking of. I was thinking of the first Jedi Knight game, Jedi Academy. Yeah, which is releasing, great. Which is releasing in January, which will have online multiplayer. And it's the multiplayer with that game like where it shines. And I think they still have servers. They will for the uh, uh, current generation consoles. I mean, consoles. currently, online they do. For PC, it's maybe. PC. Yeah. So, I popped Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast, kind of a mouthful of a title in. And it's... <laughs> It's set in the Star Wars universe, of course, so it's fun because you hear the the Star Wars John Williams score playing in the background as you're navigating and traversing these levels, but the level design is absolute garbage in this game. Trying to shoot stormtroopers is worse than stormtroopers trying to shoot you in terms of accuracy. Yeah. It's absolutely screwed, and there's really no sense of direction. You have these giant corridors of levels. Like, the first, the first level, you're infiltrating this base. Once you get down into the ground of this base, you're opening up all these different doors. I feel like each area you come into, it's like a four-way stop, and so you have no idea where you're supposed to go forward, left, right, or backwards. And then when you open up a door, there's like 30 stormtroopers shooting you. Your level depletes within like seconds. I'm playing on Jedi difficulty, which I thought like, do I want to be, do I really want to be a little bitch and play on Padawan difficulty? Yeah. Because it goes Padawan, Jedi, Jedi Knight, Jedi Master. You know, imagine Jedi Master. That's a one-hit KO. And I'm thinking, like, are you kidding me? This is crazy. And also, the first four hours of gameplay, you don't even have a lightsaber. You just use blasters and Wookiee bowcasters. Okay, so you have a lightsaber now. I do. So the is first unlimited use. Yeah. So if you can get through the first four hours of the game, you can get through it faster if you're watching a tutorial. I would say this game is really when it gets at its best because you end up going to the temple where Master Luke Skywalker's at. I'm not sure if this game takes place before Return of the Jedi or after the events, because he's wearing his black garb mm-hmm. that he wore in Return of the Jedi. But you come to this temple, and he's sitting there, like, meditating, and he turns around, and you have this conversation with him, and apparently the the main protagonist, um, spoiler alert, in the second level of the game, his love interest gets killed by this, I don't know, bounty hunter-type person. Something Star Wars-y. Yeah. And so you immediately set out on this quest for revenge and hate, and you talk to Luke Skywalker about channeling your rage and anger and hatred and to get revenge on this this bounty hunter. He's like, uh, maybe we should be worried. And Luke's <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So because of that, I've created this crazy puzzle that you have to go down into this temple and solve in order to get your lightsaber. And as you go into this temple, you unlock different force powers. Please talk to your therapist and then come back. Yeah, we'll, we'll think about this. <laughs> table this discussion. As you're kind of going through this puzzle of a temple you're unlocking force push, pull, and speed run. And you have to use these different uh, powers and puzzle solving to eventually unlock your blue lightsaber. Cool. 
And so once you do that, then you're set on, you know, a course of like, I don't know, eight to nine more missions to try and find this bounty hunter. I think you end up meeting a number of different prominent Star Wars characters. Like you meet up with Lando at one point and you just go to different Star Wars planets and it's your natural first person shooter. You can go back to third person as well, which I would encourage people to do when you're using your lightsaber. It's it's fine. I would say it hasn't aged well since 2002 yeah. uh, because, you know, you have the... Your Bethesda first-person shooters now like Wolfenstein, Doom, and of course the Call of Duty games where shooting mechanics have been so perfected over the years that this just seems like really loosey-goosey all over the place. And the when you're actually aiming at your enemies, it's just like, man, anyone's guess if you're going to get hit a bullet in any near proximity to the Stormtroopers. But yeah. I've been enjoying it. It's been okay. And I'll probably play it to a completion, but... It's not something that I'm like at worth thinking about like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get back to not being able to actually shoot stormtroopers. <laughs> so yes, we'll, we'll get back to that game. So stay tuned for that in later weeks, folks. Last night, Laura and I got back. We had date night. I appreciate you watching Scoob for yep. a few hours. Of course, we spent 95% of the date talking about Scooby. And what do you think Scooby's doing right now? I just miss Scooby. Ryan, it's okay if we come back and pick Scooby up? Well, the, the question was, hey, Ryan, uh, we can either come by at like 8.30 and give you a reprieve or we can come back at like 10.15 or whatever. I was like, I don't care either way. Like, he's enjoying himself. Do whatever you want to do for date night. Just have fun. He's like, all right, I'll be over in 10 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, well, I see date night's ended. I guess you want the dog back. Yeah, so Lauren, she had her kickboxing class last night. So she came back, showered. We were on the couch just chilling. And I said, you know what we're going to do right now, Lauren? She's like, what? I was like, will you sit and watch me play Outlast, which is a crazy horror game on the PS4, PSC, and other consoles? She's like, yeah, I'll I'll sit down for a while. So we turn out the lights. She's holding Scooby Snack. And it is getting a little dark in here. Well, it's getting dark enough that, like, I'm producing melatonin and getting really tired. I'm like, our night doesn't even start for another, like, five hours. And then, yeah... You got this, bro. Eat, drink some more coffee. Yes. Yeah, we can get some... Uh, well, I have to stop by Giant Eagle, so I'll probably get some energy drinks. What was that stupid energy drink you and I... Uh, bang? Bang. <laughs> the worst. We were only promoted... horrible. We were only sponsored by them for one episode. Yeah, it was like one of those freaking Ponzi scheme energy drinks. Now it's everywhere. Everyone's like banging it. <laughs> They've been banging it since the caveman days, Ryan. Now it's just well, been promoted. they're banging it with shitty drinks. Yeah. Well, see, I can't drink monsters anymore. I just drank too many growing or uh, when oh, I was Red Bull? my previous. No, I d- Red Bull. I cannot only do if it's mixed with vodka. Well, we have vodka. <laughs> Don't tempt me. Anyway, <laughs> okay. Yoda's laugh is. I was trying to. I was in my car, driving to work, and I'm like making Yoda noises, and I'm like, his laugh is so crazy. Yeah, and other drivers are like, what the fuck? Are- what the fuck is wrong with that guy making those noises? Should we consult him and yeah. see if he's having seizures? No, I just entertain myself. I think we're very yeah. aware of that on this podcast, Ryan. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Anyway, so last night I booted up Outlast. And what this game's premise is, is you are a newspaper reporter of sorts. And you go into this insane asylum because you hear something crazy is going down. And all you have, to, to this point at least, I don't think you get weapons in this game you have a video recorder. 
And so you use this in dark situations when you're traversing like um, air ducts and things like that, where it's pitch black, and all you have is your camera with the light and the night vision goggles. Yeah. And so these crazy monsters might be chasing you in these vents, vent systems and things like that. All that to say, I've played this game for about 15 minutes because after 15 minutes, I walked into this room and there were these bodies of people hung up like cows in a slaughterhouse. And I heard someone like running and laughing. And Lauren's like, I'm out. She went to bed. <laughs> Scooby followed. And I'm like, there's no way I'm doing this. So I popped on the N64 and was playing some just chill games. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's probably smart. So maybe later this week, you can sit down with me, Ryan, and we can play Outlast. I don't know how I got dragged into this. <laughs> Blame Scooby. No, it's Lauren's fault. It always is. Yeah, it is. I, I guess. I guess I'll do that. Yeah, so I'm not really sure, you know, leading up to Pokemon, I ordered Pokemon Shield. I'm not really sure what I'm going to play this this next week or so. I'll probably try and finish Jedi Knight Outcast 2 and might play more of Outlast. We'll see how that goes. We're past the Halloween season, so I'm not sure if I want to be wasting Halloween games when I could wait for next year. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. Ron, we got some emails this week. Yeah, we did. Thanks. So before we get into the childhood game-specific emails, on the Instagrams, you can follow me at Ari Lewis 2011 I post a query 24 hours before we record asking you folks to ask us a question. And I also, because we're going to be talking about our favorite childhood games this episode, I said, why don't we just present to the listeners or just people who follow me on Instagram what your favorite childhood video game was. And the listeners came in real strong, Ryan. So let me pull this up real quick. We also got a few questions, so just prepare yourself for that. Prepare yourself. All righty here. Uh, Brian, listener of the show, say hello to Brian. Hey, Brian. He says he can't wait to hear Ryan's theory. Yeah, so you've, you heard, show, you've heard it by now. <laughs> you've heard it by now, so hopefully you enjoyed it. Friend of the show, actually friend from work, Caitlin said Animal Crossing. And when she told me this, I couldn't believe this. And I got mad respect for her now. I already did, but even more so. After she told me one of her favorite childhood games was 007 Agent Under Fire. Oh, wow. On the GameCube. Excellent game. I loved the GameCube, PS2, Xbox, James Bond games, particularly Agent Under Fire, Nightfire, and Everything or Nothing. Good times. Travis, senior executive producer of the show, Hopefully, hopefully he doesn't mind me saying this, but he's got baby two coming on the way. Yeah, I saw the picture of his wife very soon, this morning. Very soon. So prayers for Travis and his his family expanding by one. He also goes on and says, have you learned any new skills this year, Ryan? Well, I have critical eye three and exploit three, or weakness exploit three, so I've learned those skills. And what? Monster Hunter World. <laughs> <laughs> Escape that reality, Ryan. Escape it. Monster Hunter is life. Hashtag no life. <laughs> um, trying to think. I would say changing a tire after a flat tire has happened, but that was actually last year that that happened to me. What have I learned? I mean, outside of the context of work. I've become more of an asshole. <laughs> That's a skill. More sarcastic, I guess. Hmm... I don't know if I've actually learned a skill. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like... Uh, what have I done outside of work? I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I, learned how to I re re learned how to record and edit a podcast in Audacity. I learned how to get a car loan. That's a process I've never done before. All right. I didn't know how to do that. 
It's Good pretty stuff. easy to get a loan. Recording and editing podcasts and getting car loans. What's something you used to love but just can't get into anymore? Being loved. I would say recording this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is our last episode, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> um, what do we used to love but don't anymore? Yeah. I used to like being in singlets for wrestling and like touching sweaty men <laughs> back in the eighth grade, but I don't anymore. Not my jam. I'm glad you got out of that, Ryan. Yeah. Touching sweaty eighth graders is probably not encouraging. <laughs> yeah. After 18, it's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. Yep. You'll go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What have what do I not like to do? I don't know. Is there a food you used to like when you were younger? Outside of Gerber? I was never actually I was in a Gerber commercial. No, you weren't. Yeah, I was in a magazine. I was a I was a male model as a kid. <laughs> you, like no joke, I was. What like, happened? mom has those magazines that I was in. We should get those. That's that's good source material for the podcast. It was back when I was blonde and cute. Oh. Yeah. And you I became wise. I was like the perfect little German baby. German or Gerber? Both. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, German, the like Aryan is like blonde hair, blue eyes. That's right. Yeah, I was one of those. I still am. I just have changed. Yeah. Chameleoned my way into brown hair. That's right. I would, what do you not love? I don't know. <laughs> <Lauren>. I was, <laughs> Yeah. I would think it's it's probably some like TV show that I watched as a child, but that's so Raven. It's not as good as I remember. Corey in the House still sucks. I never really liked that one. No, I always hated Full House. I'm trying to think shows. There was a lot of stuff. Yeah, I know. Well, and that's the thing. It's like a lot Arthur, of car. A lot. Hey, eat it. Don't, don't be <laughs> shitting on Arthur. A lot of cartoons, though, to that point, I actually really still enjoy. Like, Hey Arnold, The Wild Thornberries. Teen Titans is cringy as shit now. Is it? Yeah, but uh, Airbender's still good. Last Airbender's great. Uh, Impossible. DuckTales, like, I can still watch that. I actually, a um, couple months back, got the first 100 episodes of SpongeBob at Walmart for super cheap. I was watching old SpongeBob, and that's still really just entertaining and nostalgic. Yeah. Hmm. What do I not love? We'll come back to that one, Ryan. Okay. Uh, if you can think of anything. This one I cheated because Lauren and I, this actually um, started some great marriage conversations for Lauren and I last yeah, night. Yeah, besides the dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, describe this year in three words and describe your hopes for next year in three words as well. So I can go first while you're thinking if you want. Okay. So for me, this year in three words, I would say um, enlightening, rushed, and change so i would say enlightening and change kind of go hand in hand enlightening in the sense that when lauren and i got scooby um it was really challenging for us at first because we had to kind of coordinate our schedules and we had to sacrifice a lot in terms of like okay well are you getting up early to let him out and are you gonna do the graveyard shift and stay up with him late because he wasn't on a good you know potty schedule yet Mm -hmm. so we had to figure all that out and then of course just after work, we someone has to get home and let him out. And then for the first month, I would say every day we came home, he peed and pooped in his cage, all over his blankets. We had to do laundry, give him baths. And so I think that was just kind of a a, a snapshot or a, a highlight, not a highlight, but um, an insight into what parenthood's going to be like, if you will. Yeah, except probably less crazy. Because they kids grow out of like 
shitting themselves and like yeah, grown intelligence. That's a couple year process, and for Scooby, it was and, like, like a month. Playing tug of war with babies only lasts so long. Yeah, but they also stay up and cry most of the night. So yeah, it would, I, I, all that to say, I think that was kind of enlightening in the sense that like, okay, this this is getting us ready for kids, and being removed now that Scooby's a lot more trained, we're like, we can do this. Yeah. Granted, the timeline's going to be prolonged, but this is kind of prepared and prepped us for that. And we're excited about that. Rushed, I would say, because I would say since we went on the Alaskan cruise, I don't know how it's November. Like, I feel like we blinked in Laura and I. I'd say I definitely second the rushed one because, like, September, August, September, and October, I flew by. Like, I don't know where they went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then July was the cruise. You're right. Yeah. And I would say, how is it November? Already? It's crazy. It's just been, a, and that's the thing. Like, and we'll get into that in my next three words for my hope for next year. Um, and I would say, change with with Scooby. Uh, we moved to a new apartment complex. We went on two vacations this year. Both were family trips. So, like, we were with your family for a week. We were with my my dad, and my sister for a week. So, just change in the sense that we had to just get used to new traditions and things like that. Yeah. And then a new environment in this new apartment. So. That's what I would say. Any other words other than rush that you could think for this year? I'd say tiring. Um, yeah, work's just exhausting. But then change, I've also moved around and gotten to see different aspects and like meet new people, which mm-hmm. is good. Yeah. When you got a new car, you got a new place. I mean, you're yeah. a lot of change going on for you too. Yeah, I forgot the new place was this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I bought a car, so that's cool. So for next year... Dog is going to be a word. For you... I would say job, dog, and... Go, dog, go. <laughs> Red fish, blue fish, green fish, yellow fish? Female, potentially. <laughs> dog, job, female. There it is. Ryan's three words for next year. Female, dog. Yeah. <laughs> job. Yeah. Uh, bloodborne, platinum. It's hyphenated. Yeah. No, I think for me, I would say intentional spontaneous and settled so intentional in the sense that i feel like this year like how lauren and i've already been married for over two years for me is insane and i think i think so for us intentional our marriage and like last night getting away leaving scoob with the family you someone so that we can get out and do stuff together and even just in the apartment during the week going on walks together and even at work with coworkers, just being intentional more just than just um the grind of it all because we have to get through shit every day but I think yes. you can always get away for like five to ten minutes just for coffee. Because you're going to get coffee anyways. You might as well go with Lauren or whoever, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that's that's something for me. Um, spontaneous in the sense that I feel like the first year of Lauren and I's marriage, we were spontaneous and we, we'd go out and do something. Or like, I think the dog was spontaneous. Yeah, that was, that was definitely a spontaneous thing. Um, but like last fall, we went to Indianapolis to see the Google Dolls, yeah, which was phenomenal. Indianapolis was an amazing city, very modernized, and we really want to get back there and um, see another concert and explore more shops and stuff like that. And so that, that sense of spontaneity, I think, is something we want to aspire to do in this next year as well. And then settled, I think, goes with the rushed and change and just settled in our new place, purge a ton of stuff because I feel like we just have so much crap and just settled in our lives and our jobs and really forward looking like does Lauren want to get an MBA you know do I want to you know get more certifications for work do you know just things like that get settled in our lives where we don't feel like we're always trying to stay above water yeah and for me dog obviously I need a husky in my life you do um job whether it's 
where I'm at now or somewhere else, it needs to, combining with your words, be settled Mm -hmm. to the point where I can get a dog and not feel guilty for leaving it at home for extended periods of time. Or just, yeah, somewhere that would afford you the flexibility to like, hey, I got to dip out at two because I'm in the process of potty training my dog. I'll get back online at four. Yeah, work until I mean, six. like, Tuesday I have a conference call with Japan. So, like, I, if I had a dog, I'd just go in later kind mm-hmm. of thing. Because it's, like, a six o'clock. But, like, yeah, flexibility is required. And, yeah, I'll just try new things next year. Yeah. I think. We'll bring you along the ride, bro. Yeah, but I don't want to third wheel with you always. Why not, man? Dude, you want to go to, there's a Star Wars uh, cantina thing. That's new, apparently. Where? There's one out in California, and then there's one in Florida. It's like a bro trip. You want a bro trip with me, bro? Dude, we can podcast. Bro! <laughs> bro! <laughs> we can podcast in California. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be pretty sweet. Yeah. We'll think about it. Stay tuned, folks. Episode 111. Be there. Describe this year. We did that. At what point, Ryan, and maybe let's not talk about work, because we know at what point you get out the, the knife. At what point in an argument do you either blow up or check out? Because you're a very logical person when it comes to arguments, or I would say disagreements, well, discussions. Most of my day is arguments. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't really... I, really stupid shit. So, like, I get out of arguments when you realize that the other person you're arguing isn't rational. Because mm-hmm. anything you say... Lo- like, I fight with logic and just common sense, but, like, I can't... You don't fight with emotions or just... When people are completely irrational. Yeah, I think when... That's when I freaking leave. I'm like, I'm out. We can calm down and deal with this later. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do this. As far as like blowing up, my main kind of thing is raising your voice doesn't really improve your argument. It just makes you look like an asshole. Mm -hmm. So I don't really raise my voice. I actually this week showed like a lot of irritation. Like as much as irritation as i show at work i showed this last week because i got i like i got a i wanted a quote from mm-hmm. this supplier because people are going to japan on saturday and i talked to this supplier contact four times and he was dodging my calls over the last like three weeks and so i talked to his vice president twice and then their japanese side called my manager who's Japanese Mm -hmm. and was like yeah no we think it's good the quote's good and I basically had been laying out how I want it like a three step walk and they're like no we think it's good my manager's like yeah he said what he gave was good I'm like how will you tell him to shove it up his ass here translate this for me and we got (laughs) I was so pissed did you say that to him how about you shove it up your ass yeah no well like this was out after a meeting where I just got out with Lauren mm-hmm. and some stupid shit with our design side was there. So I get into that meeting and she's like, hey, so he says it's good. And I was like, no, he's been doing him and his vice president and his sales manager have been dodging me. It's bullshit. I'll be back after I finish this meeting with other bullshit with Lauren. So we got on. She was translating and he's like, yeah, I think it's good after like talking for 10 minutes. And I was like, tell him no, just translate that. Like, he could probably tell from the tone of my voice I was pissed. Yeah. Here's how we're going to do it, or I'll call your vice president again. And I ended up having a different manager get it for me. That's where I get really angry is just complete ignorance. Yeah. Like, at least fucking try. Yeah. Now I'm getting angry because I'm thinking of the situation. Just 
This one, all I, I ask is you just fucking try. Like, it, if you do it wrong, we can work through it. But not even trying is just the most irritating thing. It's just incompetence is one thing, but lack of effort is just the thing that irritates me. Well, it's funny you bring that up because <laughs> last night when Laura and I were out on our date, Ridiculous. we were talking about a scenario that's going on with me at work. Yeah. And it's not me specifically that's um, water. the root cause. <laughs> you can go, go ahead. Okay. Um, but I'm being affected in a, in a negative way. I, I would just go as far as saying... And I, what I love about you and Lauren, and it's a direct correlation with your job and what it's done to you, is when <laughs> when you're talking about a situation that pisses you off or that's pissing me off and I'm kind of vocalizing that to Lauren, she'll be just like, no, fuck it. And then she'll just be like, <laughs> and then she'll just... As you can see that I did. Like, she'll just like go on this long tirade explaining to me what I need to be doing. And I'm like, Lauren, you're making me more stressful talking about this. Well, like, Slow down. Our approach is one that assess the situation, countermeasure, and path forward. That's it. That's. It doesn't matter about bitching about your problems. It's about here's the root cause of the problem. Assess the countermeasures that you can actually do. And then let's figure out a path forward in the time frame that we're going to assess those problems. And get it off of our minds. That's what you do. And <laughs> We're, it's more of let's solve it opposed to let's like in, hear about it. Yeah, let's just keep, you know, yeah, bitching about what the problem is. Let's look yeah. for a solution now. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, good rant there. So let's get back to the question, <laughs> which is at what point in an argument do you blow up or just walk away? I think. Let me get make sure I get the direct verbiage there. Um, or check out was, was what Travis was saying. I mean, I, I have to come back to to Lauren and I and, you know, our discussions and disagreements. Lauren and I have been married for two years. We've been together for like four no, wait, I think we've known each other since 14, because that's when she started college. Yeah. 15, I think, is when we started dating. Married in 17, suffering in 19. <laughs> yeah. Got Scooby in 19. Yeah. I'm kidding. I, yeah. Maybe a second dog in 20. That's right. That's right. Uh, but anyway, so for Lauren and I, when we're having discussions, and I talked about this last week, it's largely... We, we've never raised our voices with one another and we never intend to do that because like Ryan was saying, you just become an asshole. You're not going to get your point across. Then both people just start yelling at each other. And then you, one of them shut, like you shut down. That and then you also, yeah, and the shutdown typically is the result of someone making a comment that they have to eat later and they're going to regret saying something. You're just like your father. Yeah, like <laughs> that. Yeah, something like that. Just like your mom, you, you hoe. <laughs> just like, ah. Uh. It cuts me and my parent personally. Yeah, so when you make a comment that it's just you regret later, it's like it's not even worth it. So typically, Laura and I, it stems from her getting frustrated. Like, I'm not trying to point the finger, but it stems from her getting frustrated about something because she hasn't eaten in a few hours or she's just really tired, hasn't had coffee, it's too early in the morning. And then I suggest that she either have a sip of coffee, get something to eat, or take a nap. Yeah. And after one of those three things happen, we're a happy, happy couple again. Yeah. All is well in the world. It's about right. Don't raise your voices to your significant others, folks. Nothing, nothing good comes from that. All right. Here we go, Ryan. We've got more questions. Actually, I think now we are in the favorite games of all time or favorite childhood games from our listeners. Sean, I need to get back to you about my Steam thing. I'm not really sure why you can't find me on Steam. It should just be Ari Lewis 2011, but I'll shoot you a text here. Sean says, Pokemon Red, still my all-time favorite game. Wow, that's, that's interesting. a very good choice. That is a good choice. I mean, the music's so memorable and nostalgic when you hear it, and 
We've talked about Pokemon so much, and I'm sure you'll be hearing more about Pokemon when Ryan and I get to our lists. I didn't include any Pokemon games. Pokemon's the worst. <laughs> That's right. I'm a Digimon, man. Yeah. I'm actually a Monster Rancher person. No. Th- those are creepy. They are kind of weird looking. Digimon. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Monsters says, in disguise. That's right. No, those are robots in disguise. I don't know why I have whatever Transformers stuck in my head. Can I move on? Yeah. Sean also <laughs> says the original Super Mario Brothers. Okay. Oh no. Look at this. This is a I hope this is actually a callback to an earlier episode. He says also original Super Bros. <laughs> so I'm assuming he's talking about Super Mario Brothers. If you don't know that reference, go back and find the episode of the podcast called Super Bros Beats Battlefront. Ryan and I for the earlier in the year for March Madness, we created a 64 game video game bracket. And we had four different quadrants, of course, as March Madness does, uh, for different generations of games. And when it got down to it, Ryan, uh, in the bottom left quadrant, it was Battlefront 2 versus Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> I can't even do it. Super Smash Brothers Melee. <laughs> yes. And we it was our longest episode yet. I think it was like three hours and 41 minutes. The last 10 minutes are just like me screwing up everything i say and ryan said super bros beats battlefront and ryan and i just fucking lost our minds yeah, laughing like super bros, and i said it and i was like wait what did i just say yeah and then what i there was another one it was i said something else besides super bros that like because i botched up again i think that the, the super moment melee yeah you said super melee but i think in that episode the hardest we've laughed in the entirety of this podcast run was you're like we i was one of us was wheezing well yeah i was wheezing so let me let me like lay down the foundation for this i was talking about playing battle or gosh i'm screwing up now breath of the wild for the first time yeah and you had been asking me for a year to play this game but then travis sent me a text and he's like dude you have to play this and i was like so i started playing breath of the wild and then you said and i've also been shitting on ocarina of time because it's not as good as we remember and i was saying that breath of the wild might actually be better than ocarina of time for me personally and then you said why don't you look at me during (laughs) and then we just both lost it it. like you look at you listen to travis and not me so yeah yeah. you don't look at me during (laughs) good episode or good good moment in the show frantic josh of the frantic thoughts podcast Check him out on all of your podcasting, streaming services. He said, Yoshi's Island is my favorite childhood game. You can't beat the charm and amazing boss fights, which, of course, was on the Super Nintendo. Check it out on the Super Nintendo Classic and all other Nintendo Nintendo (laughs) digital storefronts. Thank you for everyone writing into the Instagrams. You can also write into the show on the Gmails. Ryan, what's the Gmail? Um, com. <laughs> Close enough. It's Otaku Brothers. Slash Toyota. Yeah. Hashtag user. It's. Cool. It, okay, you done? <laughs> yeah. It's a, I was waiting for you to cut me off. I could have just gone forever. It's Otaku Brothers Podcast at gmail.com. Dude, fucking just, shut up. I'm filibustering this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's Otaku Brothers Podcast at gmail.com. We've got four emails, one of which was actually submitted June 8th. Of this oh, year. you haven't even read emails? No. Oh. <laughs> I thought those... Okay. So Travis wrote in a couple months back, and he wrote in with his top 10 childhood and adulthood games. I'm not going to get into the adulthood one game... Adult games, because we're going to talk about that on next week's episode. So he kicks off the email saying, Rusty and Ryan, 
It's officially been a year since I first tuned in uh, to the podcast, and it started writing into the podcast on June 7th of 2018. He says, I'd like to commemorate that by sharing some updates I've made. Instead of constantly revealing a list of favorite games, I've decided to make my top 10 games list into multiples, one for childhood and then one that encapsulates the next decade, 2008 to 18. So his childhood games, folks, are starting out at number 10, Star Fox 64, Biden Kaidos, Eternal Wings and the Lost Ocean on the GameCube coming in at number 9, Golden Sun, The Lost Age, Beyond Good and Evil, Rayman 2, The Great Escape, an outstanding 3D platformer, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, Banjo-Kazooie, Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door ringing in at number 3. Coming in at 2, we have The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker, and number 1, Metroid Prime. Very nice. So a solid, well-rounded list, if I might say. And that's Metroid Prime on Wii? Or it won't be Wii. GameCube. GameCube, mm-hmm. yeah. Good stuff. Very well-rounded, very Nintendo-heavy. You got a Sega game in there, though. Showing some diversity. Good stuff. Thanks, Travis, for writing in, as always. And again, we are praying for your family. We will get into his adult list of games next week. We've got more emails, Ryan. Yep. You okay? Yeah, we do. <laughs> All that dust. <laughs> it really... I'm going to gain allergies. Probably. Allergies acquired. Logan writes yes. in. He titles the email, the subject header here, is my top five childhood games, exclamation point. Hey, guys. These are the games that gave me the most memorable memories as a kid and the first that came to mind. I kind, uh, I think all the listeners will have at least one in common on this list. Uh, he didn't put these in a particular order, but he says, mad respect for this slogan, Kingdom Hearts 2. I first started this at my uncle's house as a kid and loved it so much I made my mom get it and the strategy guide for me on the way home from his house. Loved the series ever since. The next one, he says, Super Smash Brothers Melee. Very nice. Outstanding game. This one, I also have mad respect. I've not played it, but I love you including on this list. SpongeBob SquarePants Lights Camera Pants, <laughs> which I think this is a collection of mini games, if I'm not mistaken, on the GameCube, PS2, Xbox. It could be a platformer. I know Battle for Bikini Bottom. I'm a very big fan of that game, which is a 3D platformer, kind of collectathon type game. Interesting choice. Maybe um, elaborate in a future note, Logan, because I'm curious why that game made the list. Super Mario Strikers. He says, My cousin and I were inseparable on the weekend as kids. When I went over to his house, we played these all the time, spending hours upon hours in the game room, grinding for the robot team on Strikers, getting hype every time we unlocked a new character on Melee, and the SpongeBob game caused a few fist fights. Okay, there you go. There's the there's the anecdote tied to that game. Good stuff. Interesting. Uh, such an interesting choice, but I appreciate it. And then the final one, Ryan, he says Pokemon. And in parentheses, any of them. I always had my Game Boy and my current copy of Pokemon in my case, ready to go. I'm sure my parents loved it too, keeping me quiet on car rides. Yeah. It definitely was uh, that generation's iPad and iPhone, I think. You know, yeah. here's your Game Boy and Pokemon. Shut Don't up. Talk to me, Don't talk for eight hours. We're going to Disney. Nolan, friend of the show, he also hosts a podcast called Young Nostalgia. Check him out on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, other podcasting streaming services. He says, dudes, hope all is well. As always, love the show and excited you're doing this topic. Here we go. Number one, he says, uh, is this his favorite game? Maybe this is just a list of five. I just didn't want to spoil the number one game, but uh, I think he just listed these out here. Okay. Space Invaders, PS1 remake and remaster. This game was honestly something I always go back to and is still a staple in co-op gameplay. 
The reimagining of the old arcade game is masterful, and I would stay up late with my dad playing until we got so good we could beat it in one sit-down. There's even an Easter egg once you beat the entire game that you unlock the, quote, retro original Space Invaders. Must play if you pick it up. Space Invaders is where you're a ship and you're flying forward to kill another ship. Yeah, similar to like Galaga and Galaxian yeah, yeah. and all those classic arcade games. Interesting choice. I actually played Space Invaders 2 Extreme on the DS. I think that was actually published by Square Enix, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but all those classic arcade games are a lot of fun. So interesting, good, good choice there. Number two, he says Spider-Man on the PS1. This was my go-to single-player game that really started my obsession with the Marvel Universe and Spider-Man in particular. Everything from the music, graphics, voice acting, and the writing is amazing. The way they incorporated iconic villains and the teamwork of Venom and Spidey is timeless. Its sequel, Enter Electro, was also amazing and well worth a look. Interesting story about, uh, about that one if you ever have me on as a future guest. We will, and I'm looking forward to hearing that, um, Nolan, because I actually picked up Enter Electro earlier this year. I think it was this spring. Haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I have played and beaten Spider-Man on the N64. I'm not sure if the different there's differences in that game. I'm sure graphically there are, but in terms of story, I'm not sure if they're different. But solid choice. Spider-Man on the PS1 and N64 is a great game. Number three, he says The Sims, the original game on PC. This quite honestly started it all. I'm a huge fan of The Sims and still play to this day. This was my main creative outlet and allowed me to really explore my interests in terms of design and how to turn a blank slate into something I enjoy. The soundtrack is in all caps here. Amazing, he says. And I've downloaded it on everything that can play music. What about the Zune, Nolan? Did you download it on the Zune? <laughs> That's what we gotta know. He says, I go back to it all the time and it brings back such good feelings. Nolan, I could not agree with you more. It's such a therapeutic, dentist office type soundtrack. And I mean that in the best of ways, because I too listen to it at work when um, I need to power through something that's mindless because it's just so almost therapeutic to have on in the background. So definitely agree. Four, StarCraft on the PC. Ryan and I talked about this not too long yeah. ago. Another one I grew up with, and this is what got me into real-time strategy games. Admittedly, I could never, or I was never very good, but I always remember sneaking into my brother's room to grab it and play it when I wasn't supposed to. I'd always play online, and Protoss was my go-to race. Still love it, and you can you can download the old ones for free on Blizzard's website. Interesting. Mm. Something to check out on our PCs, Ryan. Yeah. He says, check it out. This last one, I'm really glad that you, you listed it, because it was something that I always saw in Best Buy, but I never snagged it. So let's see what he says here. For Thrillville, Off the Rails... On PS2, this looked kind of like a roller coaster tycoon for current generation consoles for the time, Ryan. He says, I loved this game. I was always a fan of Roller Coaster Tycoon and played that all the time, but once I discovered Thrillville, there was no turning back. I loved the interaction you could have with the guests and riding, playing the coasters and games. This is where my OCD really took place as I found I needed my parks to look perfect with spacing, cohesiveness, and ratings. I also loved the soundtrack besides the tacky story, but so many good times. You guys rock, and thanks for all you do. Keep up the good work, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Nolan. I appreciate thanks. it, man. I definitely want to have you on the show. Solid, well-rounded list there. Got to give it up to The Sims, though. I uh, I may have on that on my list as well moving forward. The we'll only see. Sims I ever really played was that mobile game where you could design a city. Mm. Sim City, right? Yeah, put the words together. And what do you get, Ryan? Sim City. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Well, the reason I love that one, 
and the reason I kept playing until they broke it was it had an economy. So like when you got resources, you could sell them. Mm-hmm. And I love businessy stuff. So I there's rare resources that I would basically go through and like you have maybe eight or eh, you're like six on top, six on the bottom, and you could keep refreshing to see who what's in the store. And I would basically be like, all right, if this pr- this item is this price, I'll buy it, hoard a shit ton of them. Basically, to increase the size of your city, you needed like these special resources mm-hmm. that, that you could either purchase with real money, because it's EA, or you could get them through doing activities and leveling up and stuff. And okay. I was like, okay, so like, let's purchase those through the store. At the minimum, people are going to sell them and then sell them for the max. And I just made so much money. And I was able to, like, max out my entire thing, like, really early on in the game. Did you play this on your iPhone? Yeah. Or my iPad back iPad. in the day. Okay. Or iPhone either or. But then they slowed down the refresh time for, like, 15 seconds instead of, like, instant refreshes. Uh-huh. So, by the time, like, you refreshed, everything was already bought. So, I couldn't snipe the market. So, yeah. I quit. Nice. I mean, like, I really like doing that kind of stuff where there's an economy and you go in and try to screw over the economy. Well, to that point, I'll get to that in a second. Remind me if I don't come back to that because I'm, I do that a lot in this podcast. I say I'm going to get to something and I yeah. never go back to it. Anyways, so back in the elementary school days when it rained and we had to have recess indoors, getting to the, like the three PCs that we had in the room, like, you know, those old school app or uh, Apple computers, those yeah. Macs uh, with all the colors in the background, they were actual like desktops. You'd get to those computers and play like one of three things. Either you'd play Oregon Trail. Yes. And you, everyone had dysentery. Yes. You'd go to Nickelodeon.com and play the SpongeBob SquarePants games, particularly the Krabby Patty flipping game. Yes. You had to make like Squidward would get you all the orders and it would say like, okay, normal Krabby Patty with all the ingredients. Then when you got to like level two, it was like normal Krabby Patty, hold the ketchup. And then if you screwed up, then you slow down your process or whatever. If anyone remembers the old school Nickelodeon website with those games, hit me up on Discord. And then the third one was SimCity, the classic SimCity, which was always good fun to play. I loved, you know, building up this crazy, awesome city and then just hitting it with a natural disaster, just either a drought or tornado or something like that. Good times. Yeah. But what I was going to get to, since you like, you know, those those simulator uh, economy um, type games. Yeah, that's why I'm still playing Pokemon for 900 hours. It's because well, it has an economy. Yeah, but this is different. When I say economy, I, th- I think of like a city that you have to uh, tend to, and that is City Skylines. Oh, yeah. I've definitely watched gameplay. Which I've heard really, really good From things about it. It kind of was below. almost the the unwritten successor to the SimCity games. That one was intense. Yeah, I heard there's a lot to manage. Like, you have yeah. to re- manage railways and all kinds of, you know, tramways yeah, and things like that. I think in the SimCity app that I played, it was like fire stations, police stations. It had different, like, size areas that each one could control. Mm-hmm. Or else, like, crime would go on. Or, like, fires would burn down your city. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, actually, like, I think it was Ben that reminded me of this. I single-handedly crashed the economy for a specific item in RuneScape. Oh, no. So, like... I was trying to get 99 crafting. So there's this soft clay, mm-hmm. which makes you let you make pots out of. And through the pots, you can make profit. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll be willing to sacrifice some more time to do it the slower way 
and make 120 mil, which is a lot of money in the game. So I could buy like another 99 or two. So I bought 120,000 of this soft clay, which like quadrupled the price of soft clay in the economy because I basically bought everything that was out there. Oh my gosh. And it was just, yeah. I crushed, I crushed that one and then I crushed, crushed? Crushed. Crushed. Crashed. Crashed. <laughs> I, fuck you. Did I end up blowing the hooks on phonics? What the fuck's going on over I here? crashed the economy for wheat as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's hoarding wheat. Good stuff. Well, check out City Skylines. I think that's yeah. something you'd like. Now I have a PC that can run it. Friend, Yes, you do. Friend of the show, Nick Nicknack. He writes yes. in quite a bit. Writes it on the Instagrams as well. He says, hey, guys. Hey. Nicknack here, and I hope I'm not too late on this episode where you guys talk about your favorite childhood games. You made it in in the nick of time. <laughs> he says, I remember you saying all you need, uh, or saying you need listeners to give a few, and that's what this email is for. It's definitely a bit difficult remembering some of which uh, would be the most important ones, but I did, and here they are with small descriptions on why they're important to my childhood. Number five, Mortal Kombat Trilogy. Oh. One of my first fighting games I remember playing. The, or one of my first fighting games I remember playing this one at a bunch of family friends' house houses, and fell in love with the series ever since. I just loved how it played, and the unique cast of characters it had. Also, you can't talk about Mortal Kombat without mentioning the blood and gore. Indeed, yes, it's a very graphic game. I I remember first seeing it at a friend's house on the Sega Genesis, and the mom actually called my mom before I played it with this kid because he was a few years older than me. Yeah, and she wanted to get parental consent before Can I played I this the spine out of my enemy. <laughs> yeah, uh, Rusty Six, is this okay? Like, uh, sure, why not? Why the, My mom was showing me Pet Cemetery at six. Why not? Might as well play Mortal yeah, Kombat. Child's Play. What's that? Which is also a Chucky movie. <laughs> I watched those too. That was that was seven, Ryan. Okay. That, that was my turn. Yeah, seven. I mean, you were basically an adult at that point. <laughs> yeah. Number You've f- seen some shit. <laughs> I have. I really have. Number four for him is Final Fantasy IV. Probably one of the first RPGs I've ever played, but knowing it as Final Fantasy II in America, of course, this is one I both watched a lot of gameplay of from family friends, as well as played myself. I just love the gameplay, world exploration, and the redemption of the pre- protagonist. Spoiler alert. Number three, Super Smash Brothers, a revolutionary game at the time, and one that took me by surprise. Just seeing these characters fight off in a fun four-man multiplayer game was a sight to behold. I completely agree. Like while the N64 Super Smash is difficult to play now because it's so slow, yeah. Back then, it, it really was. There's no better word to describe it than revolutionary to see Link, Samus, Ness, Mario, Luigi, Kirby all battling Pikachu. out Pikachu on this on the Corneria or Hyrule or the Donkey Kong level to see them battling out and the, just these classic Nintendo characters brawling it out was so so cool. And what it's become today is just insane, unbelievable. So. Number two for him is Crazy Taxi, one of the games that defined my childhood and myself as a gamer. Just fast play, fast-paced, arcadey fun with great graphics and audio to boot, especially that old-school Offspring music playing in the background. Totally agree, Nick Nick. This made me discover my two favorite bands of all time and shaped the way with what games I prefer as it made me want to play and buy games with an actual end goal instead of replaying stuff for high scores. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, there there comes a point where you have to draw the line in mindless fun and then also like I guess you should never really pigeonhole yourself into a particular game you want to play, but with the amount of backlog that Ryan and I have, there, there comes a point where it's like, you know, 
put the wonder trading down for a few minutes and play an actual video Get game. Get off your fucking high horse. <laughs> you mean my high ponytail, Ryan? No, the high ground. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Number one for him, mad respect, Nick. He says, Kingdom Hearts, a game I put tons of hours into and am still a fan of today, despite not being big into it as before, quite possibly my most anticipated game of all time ever. I remember seeing it promoted in a Tips and Tricks or Game Pro, and just the thought of Disney meeting Final Fantasy was something I never saw coming. As for the game itself, it has a couple of flaws, but it was a fun experience meeting these Disney and Final Fantasy characters and fighting them with a great action gameplay. Plus, that intro is legendary. I agree wholeheartedly. I actually played through a bit more of Kingdom Hearts earlier this week. I mean, it's inevitable. We'll get to Kingdom Hearts later in the, the podcast. Yeah. Is the first intro the one where he's, like, falling out of the sky into water and then shit just gets weird? Yeah. Okay. Oh, don't bounce, 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 bounce. It's like this crazy techno Japanese yeah. music. Yeah. Never- You're killing me. Whatever, whatever the vocals are. <laughs> Pictures of you. <laughs> no. Pictures of me. Yeah, Ryan and I were- On your walls for the world to see. Ryan and I were listening to some classic music at the... Pictures uh- of... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So Ryan and I were driving to this person's house to help them move today, and and after the news broke out that My Chemical Romance is coming back to uh, the studio to record an album, we, Ryan and I were just thinking of all these nostalgic, you know, mid-early 2000s type tunes, and Ryan was just like, what was this song about pictures of me and you? I was <laughs> like, give me pictures of me, or give me pictures of you, Rusty. <laughs> and so I was like, let's look this up. So we looked it up on Google, we pulled it up on Spotify, and it was just as cringy as I remember. Yeah, it's great. And the band it's name. It's like one of those like sad middle school songs where you're like, oh yeah, this describes all my relationships that are super lame because they're middle school. Right? <laughs> you're like, this music defines me. I'm going to put this on my MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the good old days, Ryan. Yeah. The good old day. Thank you everyone for writing into the Gmails and the Instagrams, particularly these, these emails. Logan, Travis, of course, Nolan, Nick. Thank you so much. It's always fun here because, I mean, Ryan and I, we can sit here and blabber on for a bunch of hours talking about, you know, Pokemon and Wonder Trading and whatever else. Whoa, Ryan whoa, I- whoa. <laughs> I toned that shit down this week. You got to, like, rewind that shit an hour. Yeah. And I said, I got Mythics. Moving on. I appreciate it, man. High five. Do you want me to talk about my Wonder Trading? No, not I really. I can not really. Actually, I didn't really get anything. So, but as I, you know, talked about and promoted at the beginning of, uh, or the inception of this podcast, you know, earlier on in those, you know, first few episodes, I wanted this to be a very listener-centric podcast, and I want it to be that going forward. So I appreciate people running in, sharing why they they chose these games and why they were so influential in their childhood. But I think it's, uh, I think it's time for Ryan and I to talk about our favorite childhood oh, yeah. games. But as we usually do with lists, Ryan, when we're talking about them on the podcast. I think we should just do. We should start at number 10, work our way to one. We'll go back and forth with one another. Yeah, okay. sounds good to me. So let me kick this off because I do have five honorable mentions. I won't wow. I won't spend a lot of time on these, but I did want to mention them because I'm sure for people that have been listening since day one or just for the past however many episodes, or if you follow me on YouTube, you'll probably be wondering why some of these games are not on the list. So coming in at number five, Nolan, you got you to gotta pick The Sims, man, on the original PC for all the reasons that Nolan mentioned and so many more. Have that in at number five as an honorable mention. Number four is Spider-Man 2 on the PS2. Just a fantastic open-world game. The freedom that game allowed you to just web-sling through New York was amazing for the time. And playing Insomniac Spider-Man now, 
Um, well, it's hard to go back to Spider-Man 2. Just, let's just leave it at that. Yeah. But at the time, that was just really um, blew your mind as a kid. Yeah, that was one of my honorable mentions. Okay. And Cat Lady. Catwoman cool. sucked. She's hot. Oh, okay. So Teenage version of me was happy to do that quest. Okay, so you're talking Freaking about... Freaking chasing her through the city, which was the most bullshit quest. But swinging around was fun. Well, I thought you were literally talking about Halle Berry's Catwoman the movie oh. adaptation but for the like the video game yeah it was in spider-man it was off okay i get what you're saying now number three is mario kart double dash okay one of my probably still remains my favorite mario kart game number two this is the three-way tie between the jack and daxter sly cooper and ratchet and clank trilogies on the ps2 just amazing 3d platformers jack and daxter not so much for two and three but the first one was just classic 3d platforming um, that was really a throwback to the previous generation in the N64 and PS1. So, gotta appreciate those three trilogies. And then number one is just any N64 game that I don't mention in my top 10. So, I'm just gonna rattle these off. Banjo-Kazooie, Super Mario 64, Jeff Horse Gemini, Kirby 64, The Crystal Shards, Mario Party 2, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and Yoshi's Story. So, those are just a bunch of N64 games that I absolutely adore from my childhood, but just didn't quite sneak into the top 10 because of some of these other games. Yeah, Mario 64, Spider-Man, and Pokemon Stadium. That's another good one. Okay, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. And Pokemon Snap? I was never a snapper. No, yeah? No, I was a stadium guy. That's fine. That or that one that you like snag it, Pokemon snag it, where you like steal Pokemon Mm -hmm. from people. Pokemon Coliseum on the GameCube. That was a really good one. I could never get Ho-Ho or whatever. Luka. But I got my Tyranitar. That's all that mattered. I'm proud of you, Ryan. Thank you. Why don't you tell us what your top... And Entei. I got him. Oh, did you? Yeah. Good for you, man. Why don't you tell us what rings in at number 10 for you in your top 10 childhood video games? Well, I just sang it because we just paused and then I was still seeing pictures of me and then I sang the, my number 10, which was Star Wars Rogue Squadron. You did. <laughs> and uh, On the I, N64? Um, I don't know if it was GameCube or N64. Well, the third one was a launch title on the... I think it was called Rogue Leader, if I'm not mistaken. Which one was the one that you could go through the Death Star? Like, fly up and down through the Death Star little channels? Mm, I'm not really sure. Well, it's a Star Wars game. <laughs> it's either Rogue Squadron or Rogue Leader. <laughs> Ryan did his homework, folks. <laughs> yeah. You know, quality. So, there was this one level where you could... One, you were on a speeder bike... And you could you were basically going through the trees, which was a ton of fun. And I would always try to see if I could like smash into others, like people on bikes. Yeah, which was like I just make them my own fun. And then the um, flying through the channel in the Death Star was like a super hard level because everything was popping out. You'd go up and down. And it felt like you were actually gonna kill the Death Star. Piloting a, an X-wing. Yeah. I, I mean, I had a lot of fun. You got to, like, take down ATATs with those Hoth ships. You did that in the original Rogue Squadron, for sure. Well, it's one of the Star Wars games. Okay. You know? It's a Rogue Squadron game. Yes. Okay, that's so, fair. It was a good... Fun. I liked it. <laughs> Lord and I, we would, like, race to see who can get through the Death Star quicker. Nice. Good stuff. My number 10 is something that I think I've talked about on the podcast a number of times, and that is Spyro 2 Ripto's Rage on the PlayStation 1 a game that I remember playing most with my sister. A lot of memories tied there because my mom, she'd pick us up uh, from school, bring us home. My parents were divorced when I was five, by the way, some context there. So my mom would pick us up from school, take us home, drop us off. She'd actually have to go back to work. Sometimes she took us to her salon. 
but there were some nights where she didn't she'd go back to work and she'd work until like eight or nine and so Sarah and I my sister would just get lost in the library of PS1 games that we had yeah and the one that I think we loved most was probably Spyro 2 Ripto's Rage a game that really or I should say a series of games that really pole vaulted Insomniac into the video gaming scene to go on and eventually make the Ratchet and Clank games on the PS2 your beloved yeah, Resistance games. games. No, that's Sucker Punch. What What does Insomniac do? I'm giving them... I'm giving, uh, yeah. talking about their history right now. So Are you sure? The Lightning game where you... Don't challenge my video gaming knowledge, <laughs> yeah, Ryan. That's true. Touche. PS2, they came out with the Ratchet & Clank games. PS3, yeah. your beloved Resistance games. Resistance game, that's why. And then PS4, they, of course, created Spider-Man. Sucker Punch of Sly Cooper fame went on to make the infamous games. That's what I was thinking. About. All right? Yeah. So I forgive you. I appreciate for your forgiveness. Because we're talking about others is a forgiving podcast. Yeah. But just this little purple dragon charging and gliding his way through these medieval themed uh, 3D environments, collecting gems. I think in Spiral Ripto's Raid specifically, it was uh, separated into three different hub worlds, and you had to collect these talis- these talismans. Mm-hmm. And once you collected those, you may have unlocked like the final world where you would end up fighting uh, Ripto. The, the main boss. Yeah. What I found in my research of this game, though, is that the composer was actually, which, by the way, has a beautiful soundtrack. The composer was actually Stuart Copeland, who was the drummer in the band Police. Oh. With Sting. Yeah. Which I found to be really wild. I'm thinking, like, how many video game soundtracks did this guy do? And this was it. He just did the Spyro trilogy. You know, casually. Which is so weird. Like, how did an insomniac hook up with... The police. The police and just say... Hey, bro, I know the band broke up. You want to, you know, compose a soundtrack about a dragon that runs around and collects things? Yeah, or messages in a bottle. Yeah. Police song. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Good reference. Yeah. Roxanne. Roxanne! Such a creepy song, you know, if you actually know what it's about. Yeah. Or no, I'm thinking of Don't Stand So Close to Me, maybe. I don't know. Sting's a weird guy. Anyways, getting back to Spyro. Sting had a lot of good songs, though. That it was it Sting or Seal? Seal had um, "Kissed by a Rose," but Sting had the one. It was because I think he was an English major or whatever. He had one about um, "Shape of My Heart." That's what it was. Okay, where he's singing about poker mm-hmm. and like life. <laughs> I'll check it out. It's Ryan. all a metaphor about poker cards. Mm-hmm. One of the other things I love about Spyro. <laughs> <laughs> Was uh, just all the NPCs in the game. Now, later on in the PS2 iterations that were not developed by Insomniac, they added more. But even Year of the Dragon, the third game, they had like a little penguin, a little kangaroo. But my favorite, of course, was Chester the Cheetah, who would always, yeah. he'd actually hook you up with flaming Hot Cheetos at certain levels in the games. Really? No, I'm, his name's actually Hunter. His name's not <laughs> Chester, but he is a cheetah, and he's oh. awesome. Well, I actually have, I was talking to my Josh, our boss's boss. Lauren and I, and he was telling us about the flaming Hot Cheetos, and apparently they were created by the janitor at the Cheeto company. And, like, him and his wife would go home and, like, try to make new Cheeto flavors. And he ended up, like, seeing a sign on, like, a thing and said, like, if you have ideas, you can come talk to us. And he worked his way into, like, a board meeting, and now he's, like, global outreach, like, VP. Or yeah, whatever. he's probably pretty damn rich. Yeah. You went from a janitor to, um... Like a VP of like outreach and like coming up with new flavors. Frito Lay, good for him. Yeah. So. But yeah, one of the cool things about Spyro Two Ripto's Rage, <laughs> again, because Ryan <laughs> continues to derail this podcast. <laughs> 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 
ding in metaphors to like janitors at Frito-Lay. Anyways, there's one level specifically where Hunter the Cheetah gives you a skateboard and it's, you know, because this was in the heyday of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And there's a level where Spyro rides the skateboard and has to like, I don't know, wipe out all these different little creatures running around. But just riding on the skateboard of Spyro was really cool. Yeah. So. I miss that era. And what a perfect time to play Spyro and introduce that series into a new generation of folks. Get Spyro the Reignited Trilogy. Did you ever Reignited beat it again on the new? No. Shout out to Brian, his wife. I lent it to them. Oh, cool. And so she's been playing through the trilogy. Because I was playing other things a couple months ago when I ended up letting him borrow it. But I do want it back, Brian. On Monday. Not- if not, you can borrow mine because I haven't played it yet. Well, I get to the I get to the um like the time trial stuff. That's probably one of the worst parts of that, about that those games is there's these little these levels that are thirty seconds and you have to run around and do four like tasks. You might have to run into a bunch of windmills, kill a bunch of dudes that are driving carts on a track, whatever it is. But you have thirty seconds to do it, and as you hit each item, you get like two or three seconds added to your clock. Those stress me out. I, I think it was the plane one. There's one about a plane. Yeah, flying through caves and stuff. And I just, I can't do times and I can't do empty, like, or endless, like, for a high score. Like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Because I know there's, a, like, a max high score out there for, like, Tetris or for, like, um, some of those flying arcade games. And you want to be the best that there ever was, I man. do, because I want the top score to be the max, and then I could fill out the thing with all the other max scores, so I don't want, like, shit scores. Okay, you're stressing it's, me out, Ryan. Why don't like we talk OCD. about... Like, it just kills me to have those two types of gameplay. Okay. We'll talk to Karen about that next week. But what was your number nine game on your <laughs> list, Ryan? <laughs> My number nine game, it's kind of like a combination of games. Okay, So it's fair. really all of the side-scrolling original Mario games. Okay. So you have, like... The one with the, what, the Banuki suit? Is that what is it? Uh, it's actually spelled with a T, Ryan. It's called the Tanuki suit. Tanuki suit, <laughs> yeah. Like little squirrel costume. And then um, the original one with Bowser. I can see all of <laughs> <laughs> You know the one with Mario, the guy with the, the plumber? And the Goombas yeah. and the turtles and the... They're called Koopas. Koopas? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair. I mean, Super, Troopas. Super Mario World specifically on the Super Nintendo... Yeah. Super well, vibrant with the color palette that they were able to explore in the Super like, Nintendo. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> World 1-2, Super Mario Bros. Yeah. Well, we used to always go over to my grandma's house to play this. So, like, she had a Super Nintendo, and every time we go over there, she'd be playing this, and we get to play, and this was kind of before the infamous Barbie Pet Rescue. Mm-hmm. This was my first kind of introduction to video games. Cool, man. That's good. Yeah. Good stuff. Anything else on Mario Brothers? No, I, I do miss those side-scrolling games, but like the new Mario Maker stresses me out because you have some ridiculous levels. Well, I mean, I could always let you borrow New Super Mario, whatever the stupid what, names are, New Super Mario Bros. The game, or the uh, DS? No, it's the Switch. So there was a million oh. of these made. There was one for the DS, one for the 3DS, one for the Wii. It's the same original. One for the Wii U. Same concept. Those 2D, you have the overworld map that you go to each of the dots and then it'll spawn you into the level. Well, I think it was like... The original one was remade on the 3DS. I think you're wrong, but... I think I'm right. No, Super Mario yes. 64... <laughs> <laughs> Super Mario 64 was remade for the DS. That's true. And then New Super Mario Brothers was made for the DS, which was a revival of the 2D platformer for Mario. Oh, so it was new levels? Yeah, just... Yeah, whatever. 
We'll agree to disagree. Okay, that's fine, man. We're all about... I'll I'll Google it later and see you're right. The next one for me coming in at number nine is Diddy Kong Racing. I will go to the grave with the belief that it is the superior kart racer on the N64 to, of course, Mario Kart 64. Mm -hmm. I'm not dogging on Mario Kart 64. I mean, there's such a terrific soundtrack, great level design. It probably has my favorite Rainbow Road of all of Mario Kart games. But Diddy Kong Racing, I actually pulled up a list. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I'm coming back to it because it's amazing. And Ryan, shout out to the new listeners. Hey. Like <laughs> <laughs> a very questioning, like, so hello? enthusiastic. <laughs> the, the, the article reads, Ryan, seven reasons Diddy Kong Racing runs circles around Mario Kart 64. I think you have read this. I did. Reason number one, Ryan, there's an actual story. Reason number two, boss battle races. Three, an overworld lobby. Ryan, this has one of the most therapeutic, calming songs for me personally and nostalgic that if I have a bad day at work or I'm in that video gaming rut. Yeah, it's called Bat Country by Avenged Sevenfold. (laughs) (laughs) No, it always come back to this game because this soundtrack and the overworld specifically, the hub world, this song plays and I'm playing it right now for the listeners. Oh, okay. Yeah, so of course, composed by the legendary David Wise, he of course worked on many of Rare's games with Sir Grant Kirkhope. Uh, just a legendary soundtrack. Let's get into back to these reasons why. Four, you have secret characters. TT, the time trial dude. He's a little clock. He looks awesome. Vehicle variety, you of course, can play as not only a cart, but you can get it a little airplane and a hovercraft. Mm-hmm. Course challenges and hidden items. And the seventh reason here, I already mentioned it, epic music from David Wise himself. Just a terrific racing game. It was a game I played so much with my sister and my dad growing up. And one of the levels specifically, or I should say series of levels that make the game so much more fun with a group of people is kind of the, uh, they're not races, but they're challenges. And so one of them, you're in a volcanic area where you have to get to the center, collect these dinosaur eggs, bring them back to your kind of cube and drop them off and you can go into other people's little spots and steal their dragon eggs or dinosaur eggs and bring them back to you your place and the first person that hatches like three eggs wins there's also the the caribbean lagoon where each person has three balloons and you use rockets and mines to try and knock the people off the map and the the last person standing wins. This is the one that we failed at doing, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, it it takes some time getting used to the controls and resetting your mindset to play kind of an older game. But for me, Diddy Kong Racing will always be a game I remember, remember playing with my sister and my dad specifically. And it's a game I also come back during the holidays because there's wintry Christmas-themed levels as well. Mm-hmm. And just the music kind of really gets you in the spirit of those different holidays. So Nice. Love Diddy Kong Racing. Is this the one where you have to like beat a boss battle and then beat him twice and then there's like a, a big boss? and That's and- the thing. If you actually want to finish and complete this game, it's so stupidly challenging You have to collect gold balloons in each of the levels. Once you place first in the race, you get the gold balloon. And each different area has, I think, four to five 
um, gold balloons, but then you can go through the level again and get the silver coins. There's like eight to 10 silver coins in each level, and that'll get you another golden balloon. There's also a boss battle or a boss race associated with each of the different hub worlds, and you have to beat them twice as well. And the second time for most of them, I mean, the first time's already hard enough, but the walrus specifically, the the, the Triceratops isn't too bad. Um, there's an octopus that you have to, to battle race as well, but doing their boss battles twice is just, you kind of want to chuck a controller at a wall. It's yeah. really challenging. I'm close though. I think I talked about it a few episodes back. I went back to it and tried to complete it, and I would say I'm probably about 75-80% finished with the game. Yeah, that's pretty close. So, good stuff, Ryan. That's my number nine. What's yours? All right. Well, my number eight is... Uh, <laughs> yeah, you started. Uh, Star Wars Episode One: uh, Pod Racing. Very excellent choice. Yeah, so I got this game on the PC around that same era that it was on the N64, right? Mm-hmm. I believe. And I love the shit out of this game because pod racing was probably one of the greatest additions to the Star Wars universe. I agree entirely. In episode one. Um, and I got Anakin's pod and just whipping around these maps, being able to customize your pods and improve their stats and everything. I ended up never being able to beat this because one, I was a stupid kid mm-hmm. and I didn't have like the ability to do that. But then I also specced my pod in the wrong way and I didn't, I couldn't make money. So I couldn't buy better parts, and then I just couldn't beat one of these bosses. Mm. But it was a ton of fun, and I love the idea of just being able to customize your pods or and increase its stats and slowly kind of go through like a campaign, it felt like. Well, especially, too, we were probably around the same age as Anakin when The Phantom Menace came out. Yeah. And so for this young kid piloting this awesome machine or this, this pod racer, you know, you kind of wanted to get in the... In the the driver's seat of that and experience that for yourself. And not only did this game kind of allow you to do that, there was actually an arcade specific to that game mm-hmm. where you in, you were in Anakin's pod racer. Have you played that? No. Yeah, so you could actually control the things that throttle it up, you know, to move forward and stuff like that, which was also just a childhood fantasy to get into and pilot one of those Very things. Cool. Yeah. But to your point, it's such an excellent game. And, and, and to it, I think it holds up relatively well. I've played it on the N64. We played it at... Um what is it, Barcade or whatever? Yeah, on the uh, 16-bit. 16-bit, yeah. Yeah, because they had an N64 there and we played it. I think it still holds up. Yeah, it still holds up really well. Still a really fun racer. If they res that up, I'd love that for Switch. That would be amazing. That would be really good. Listen, S- Nintendo. Someone get on I that. I know you're listening to this podcast yeah. specifically. <laughs> Reggie feels amazed. Yeah, listens. Fukumara-san or whatever your names are. <laughs> please, that- <laughs> please re-res. Oh my gosh. Pod racing. We would appreciate it. Number eight for me, this probably would have been a lot higher up on my list if you asked me, you know, four or five years ago. Um, Kingdom Hearts. But my level has uh, settled a little bit, and that is Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Yes, I'm slowly moving it off your top ten. <laughs> <laughs> now, most of my memories are, that are tied to this game, I think I've talked about again in previous yeah. episodes, is my uncle playing it. So I'd always go over to his house and just kind of be mesmerized about this 3D open world game where you played as this young kid and eventual adult, you know, in this green tunic with this giant master sword riding Epona through the fields of Hyrule. For me, as a child at the time, it was just mind boggling to see these environments rendered in a 3D world. Yeah. And, you know, occasionally when I go over there for, for holiday parties, whether it be Christmas or Easter and whatnot, you know, I'd go upstairs to the loft and I'd pop the, 
you know, the, the cartridge in and I try and play and get immersed into this experience. But for me, it was almost so overwhelming because I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. He was already mid-adventure going, you know, to and from adult and young Link. So I wasn't really sure what my objective was. Yeah. Fast forward to 2011 when the 3DS came out. I didn't get it day one because it was $250. And really the only notable titles at launch were Super Street Fighter 4 3D. Dogs Nintendo. Nintendogs. There was Pilot Wings, like Steel Diver. There was really no blockbuster selling point and why they didn't have Zelda at launch was just stupid. Well, I waited. I graduated high school in May of 2011, a couple months after the launch. And then I was, of course, starting my first semester in college in whatever it was, September or August of that year. Well, in July, they dropped the price to 170 because they weren't selling units and moving consoles. Yeah. And not only that, fans who bought it day one were like, what the hell? Like, We bought this day one and now you're going to drop the price by nearly like 40%. Are you kidding me? And so they were like, no, don't worry about it. We're going to include 10, well, really 20 ambassador games if you purchase the console before this date. Well, when this news broke out, I immediately went to my next, my closest Walmart because I not only wanted to get the system, but I wanted to get it in time so I could download these games because you've got 10 classic Game Boy Advance games and 10 classic NES games. So I... I talked to the supervisor at Walmart and said, hey, this is going on sale this date. Can you just, um, if not, like I'm going to go pre-order it from Best Buy. Can you match the price now? They matched it for me. I got my copy. you being a salesman at like seven. (laughs) Yeah, uh, seven. This was like high school, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. So I got my copy of Ocarina of Time and Resident Evil, the Mercenaries 3D, went back home, went to college, and just the memories I have tied to sitting in my dorm room in the fall and into the Christmas months you know, playing my, my 3DS up in my lofted bunk with yeah. my teal 3DS, headphones in, playing this game with the 3D half cranked up was just unforgettable experience for me. Yeah. And that's why I still have so much nostalgic ties to the game, not necessarily for the N64, but the 3DS specifically to see those up graphics to play this adventure. I would say, yes, it doesn't stand the test of time necessarily when compared to a game like Breath of the Wild, but looked as a singular game, not taking into account games like Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, and Breath of the Wild. It was fun going on like the major quests and getting like the two-handed weapon, mm-hmm. and then killing Ganondorf Pigman <laughs> yeah. with uh, that two-handed weapon. Yeah, for sure. I agree. So for all those reasons and many, many more, the soundtrack's amazing. Koji Kondo, the mm-hmm. legendary composer, Ocarina of Time makes my list. Was Soul Silver a launch title, or when did that come out? No, that was pretty into that the DS's pr- life. Was it? Yeah, I mean, I think. Diamond and Pearl had already come out. Platinum may have even come out. I think it was probably before Black and White. Yeah, I think so. It's probably between that. It's my guess. Okay. So, what's your number seven, Ryan? My number seven is a Game Boy Advance game. It is Advance Wars. Excellent choice. I love the crap out of this game. Um, I've always wanted to take over countries, so me this kind of gave me that opportunity. Um, I've never really played a tactical RPG until this game and really after this game um i never got into the fire emblems or those kind of things mm-hmm. um but being able to create your army create bases slowly take over the map i mean I, I remember this being a really long campaign it was i think it was a pretty media like 20 to 30 hours maybe yeah if not longer i never was able to beat it there was one i think the the most annoying mechanic in the game was fog of war Mm-hmm. which is where you had to slowly go around the map basically blind 
because there's this fog everywhere. And I mean, there was this ultimate tank that had like three cannons on it. And you would, I would just randomly run into these three like cannon tanks and just got just obliterated. Mm -hmm. Like I've never felt so sodomized by a game. Yeah. And like, besides that capturing bases and I mean, you could putting some of these free play levels down to like lower difficulty and just storming with all of these amazing tanks and they like because the ai and lower difficulties kind of just chill mm -hmm. it allows you to like build up these massive armies and slowly take over everything until you just overwhelm them like with super tank armies oh it's so good that's awesome it was a ton of fun yeah, I never played on the Game Boy Advance, so I guess I have a question. So I played on the DS. It was called Dual Strike. Okay. Because those earlier DS games always had like a DS acronym to the title. I don't know why. There was a couple games that did yeah. it. But anyways, I got it for the DS. Be like one other game. <laughs> no, there were a few that ended up doing that. I can't think of anything. Off I the, do remember them. Like too. Dawn of Sorrow, the Castlevania game. Yeah. Anyways, so I got this game for the DS. Oh, I didn't even think about it. Dawn of Sorrow. Yeah. DS. Mm-hmm. I didn't make it significantly through the campaign because it was challenging. Darosan was the one I liked. Right? No, no, I'm not talking. Yes, to your point about Castlevania. Yes, oh. I was talking about the campaign in Advance Wars, though. Oh, yeah. I didn't make it very far in that because it was pretty challenging. Now I want to ask: you move your little infantry units and tanks and stuff around this little grid-based map. Yes. And then when you choose to attack, did it zoom in and you see the yeah. two? I love that feature because yeah. you have these tanks that pro approach this little inf infantry set of dudes. And you just like shoot a bunch of missiles and you just see them like pop off. Almost like if you were playing like little army men as kids or like Andy in the Toy Story movies and he like just slaps the army men away. It was yeah. kind of like that. They just like poof, like pop out of the screen. Yeah, and then off you, the screen. Like, you, if you're going up against helicopters, it's like the infantry guys like shooting their gun guns up at the helicopter. Yeah, it was, was the, the attention to detail was really pretty neat yeah. for those little games. Yeah, it was a lot of like almost chest. Like, can this thing? Because there's anti-air guns that you made that are weak to like everything, mm -hmm. but they're really strong against helicopters, and helicopters are strong against a lot of different things. It was a lot of strategy. It was. It was a good time. A game you should check out. It's definitely on my radar. Is Wargroove, okay. which is kind of the spiritual successor. It looks and plays exactly like Advance Wars. Haven't had a chance to pick it up yet, but I think you can get it on Switch, PS4. It's probably be best played on Switch just because to have that console like right in front of your yeah. face would be pretty neat. Yeah, I'll take a look. I just wrote it down. My number seven, Ryan, is probably higher up on your list, and it could equally be argued to be higher in my list, and that is Star Wars Battlefront 2. Oh, fuck. I forgot about that game. I thought that was on Xbox. Well, yeah, but Xbox, PS2, and GameCube's fair game. It's Xbox 360 that I said is the cutoff. Well, I fucked this list up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll include it in my other list. Okay, that's fine. I'll do honorable mentions for everything because I don't listen to directions. I thought it was like GameCube and before. Yeah, but the Xbox original, the original Xbox was GameCube time. Part of that time period. Balls, and I just missed out on all the Halos and yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm done with this. Okay. <laughs> Star Wars Battlefront 2, <laughs> for all the reasons you would expect me to say, but the one in particular was just split-screen co-op with a buddy. I can't even name on 10 hands the number of sleepovers I had with my friends where we would just, you know, flag every map over and just play through the entirety of Star Wars Battlefront. And you'd, you'd double up on Moss Eisley. Oh, triple, quadruple up on that, yeah. you know, because if you're not... 
if you're not familiar with Star Wars Battlefront 2, first of all, what the hell were you doing back in 2005? Yeah, no kidding. But what they did with Moss Eisley is you could actually play just regular with, you know, rebel soldiers and things like that. Or you could switch it to do heroes versus villains, which this wasn't explicitly advertised as far as I'm concerned. And what's really interesting is that Moss Eisley was the only map in the entire game that allowed for this to to happen. Yeah, and you're like running up and down corridors and it's just a ton of fun. And then you could also do like, what was it, the Yeti things? Those, what's the thing that attacked Luke in Hoth, at Hoth? Oh, um... Wombats, or... Uh, yeah, something like so that. So it's like a W. Whatever. Yeah, you could do me. those in a, the Hoth map, mm-hmm. which was a ton of fun. And Lorne and I, we would sprint through the level as the Hoth soldiers to, like, through the corridors, which was terrifying, because you turn the corner and there's just just big white bear thing. And we're, we ran through to their main base, and there are two gun turrets outside of the doors mm-hmm. that you could see them spawn in the back of their base and we just lit up their spawn point which was a ton of fun wampas wampas yeah that's what they're named i was close wombats <laughs> yeah basically the same thing um so that was a ton of fun and then like moss eisley you could do not to like take over your thing because i'm gonna rant about this that's fine um you could play as what are those little hooded guys with electrical guns in moss eisley uh, I, I definitely don't know those names. They kind of look like Ewoks, sort of, but not really. Yeah. Well, the, you could play as those. Um, and there's like, you could play as Geonosians, mm-hmm. which I think. You could. Yeah. It was a great time. Such a better game than what, you know, EA has created in Star Wars Battlefront 1 and 2 for the current generation of consoles. Yeah. One of the other fun things, too, that if, you, if you're playing well enough and you're getting the most kills uh, with the party that you're playing with It'll say, like, hey, do you want to play as Luke Skywalker? Hey, do you want to play as Boba Fett? One of my favorite things to do is play the Coruscant map. Because mm-hmm. there's all those libraries and things like that, books and stuff. And I'd play as, um, well, I love the uh, the B2 battle droids, whatever it is. Those yeah. were just amazing to play as. Wreck the, the Rebels. The blue guys or the droid cars? The ones that are silver that have, like, the, the haloed top almost. Or, like, bold tops. And it have, like, the... Oh, yeah, the, that's B2. B2 battle droids. Um... So just wreck the the good guys, and then it says, hey, you want to play as Darth Maul? And Darth Maul would just have this attack where you would just, like, propeller your way through, like, yeah. a wave of dudes, and you could get, like, ten kills in, like, a matter of three seconds. Yeah, it was him and Ayla Secura, which were the two, because they both had two lightsabers. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun to, like, choke people out and then, like, lightning them with the Emperor. Or, because- we, or like, force choke them with Anakin and then, like, force throw your lightsaber. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was great. I really liked... I actually really like the space battles. Me too. And the, what I love doing too is is docking your ship on an enemy ship. Yeah. And then going in and then just chucking grenades. Because that was the spawn point for a lot of people. Yeah. So you could just like chuck grenades. And their numbers are just flying down. Yeah. Well, what I would do is, because what was really cool about this game is you could upgrade all your weapons. So See, I don't remember this feature. Yeah, oh, I do. Don't <laughs> worry, because I want the best weapons. Like, the same reason that Monster Hunter is, like, my anal retentive, like, glory hole of love. <laughs> it's, uh, this game I was... I would totally <laughs> name the episode that, but it might get flagged. Yeah, that would definitely probably get flagged. No, like, this one, you could upgrade your just regular clone trooper's gun, which was, like, a blue laser that shot slowly. And if you got on a kill streak, like five or six kills, it upgrades your weapon 
if you're like on like a six person kill streak for that life and it upgrades it to like these tri shot pink lasers and it's if you hit them like headshot obviously it's a one hit ko it's just a ton stronger but after so many of getting that upgraded gun you start with it and you can switch back and forth but you start with that upgraded gun okay and you could do that with a rocket so you have to hit like specific points on the vehicles and you would able to get the the rocket for just a regular clone where you could control where it goes. Just like the Chewbacca's rocket, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, the pit- Or the Slayer in Perfect Dark. It's a rocket controlled missile. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then the pistol was the best one. And that's where pistol kills were hard because pistol is kind of a lame weapon. Mm-hmm. But you got... Boba Fett's or Django Fett's pistol, the like, the quick small bullet ones mm-hmm. instead of like the fat blue lasered ones. Shout out to the new Mandalorian trailer. Yeah, it looks good. So, that was a ton of fun. I think I got all but one of them. I was working on the maybe not the pistol kills. I got all but one of them. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff. I really like the uh, the red cloaked turret. Like the uh, he was holding a Gatling gun. Mm-hmm. That was really good. I love Star Wars Battlefront 2. It's yeah. a game I continually go back to, even now on the PS2, because I think it's aged wonderfully. It certainly plays a lot better than the current generation Star Wars Battlefronts, and it's just so nostalgic for me to go back and just even play Moss Eisley, Space Battles, the Coruscant map, and so, so many others. Hoth especially is a great one. Just a terrific game. If I knew I could put that on my list, Rogue Squadron or whatever Rogue game I talked out, that would probably be my push that out and make that my like number three. That's what I figured. When I said, like, Ryan, I'm probably going to disappoint you with uh, Battlefront at 7, but Ryan's the one who disappointed me because it's not even on his list. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And my honorable mention would probably be Halo 1 with that glorious pistol. It was really hard for me to not include a Halo game on this list because I do have so many fond memories, Um, and even not to include it on my honorable mentions list, but just some of these other games I just have. I would say particularly my top three, I'd even say four or just games I could not not have on the list. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. So, Ryan, what is your number six? <laughs> I typed this wrong. I put Mario Suicune, but it's Mario Sunshine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pokemon's always on Ryan's mind. Yeah. No kidding. I, I actually probably have Mythics waiting for me at home, you know, just to love me <laughs> <laughs> in my GTS. No, uh, Park... Park, Park Take a break, Ryan. <laughs> what was that? Like barked at the listener. What? <laughs> <laughs> wolf, motherfucker. Mario. <laughs> um, no, Mario. Hey, it, Sunshine was just such a great game. Um, I love Flood. This like little talking jetpack. Shadow Mario's fun. You instantly got to this island and you were on trial, f- and they're like ready to put you to death, and like. The biomes and all the locations were so unique, and you had like three different types of nozzles that you could use. You had the rocket one, the like little jetpack one that shot you across, and just the regular barfing one. And oh, it was just so much fun. Plus, the creatures that were just native to the island that you went to were just so happy. Yeah. And just the music that played in just the general hub area of Super Mario Sunshine was just so beautiful. Again, very vibrant. Such a great game to showcase what the GameCube could do at the time. Yeah. And even the water effects. Like, if you went to the water and used the jetpack to spray water and propel yourself up, 
and hover over the water and just see the water colliding with one another and just the effects of that was just like nothing we had seen to that point in gaming. Yeah, it still looks beautiful. Mm -hmm. And like you get on Yoshi and eat the fruit around and change them colors depending. I was always a purple Yoshi, which was that like star fruit looking thing. I would say purple is like one of my favorite colors. So nice. Me too. Um, I actually hung up the Mewtwo painting. And that color purple, like for his eyes, is my favorite color. Ryan domesticated his apartment and he hung up a lot of really sweet paintings that he's done in the past. Yeah. So if you guys want to see, or gals, if you guys, and gals, want to see. What? <laughs> I always try to include gals when I say. You said gals and gals twice. Well, I know, but whatever. So if you folks want and to gals. see <laughs> Ryan's paintings, let us know because I can drop those in the Discord. The Mewtwo painting especially is my favorite. He also did a Lord of the Rings one from Fellowship. What specifically is that scene? You know it better than I do. Um, they're boating down. It's uh, Argonoth. Right before they get to Aemon Hen. Yeah, you see those two giant statues right before. Yeah, Aemon Hen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that one. And then I actually, I'll probably end up slowing down video games until Pokemon and start painting. You should do that. Again, um, I'm going to work on Tron. I actually brought over my paints. So I have them all there. I just have to drop the drop cloth because... My table is right there. Mm-hmm. But I have this Tron cycle that I had started. It's maybe four feet wide, three feet tall. Uh, that's the Harry Potter size. It's probably like three feet wide and two feet or so tall. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good size, but it looks awesome. It does. So, yeah, I'll be working on that. Good stuff. What were we talking about? Well, you were talking about Mario Sunshine. Mario Sunshine. Um, it was just a lot of fun. I was so close to 100%ing this game. I think I have one blue coin, but I was never never able to get it. Do you still have your GameCube memory card? Yes. Okay, so it's still possible I, I you could... I just apparently don't have GameCube controllers. Yeah. I I might have one in there. Okay. Dad's looking for them, but mm-hmm. it's just in a Trader Joe's bag, and I don't know where that bag is. Oh, so you know for sure it's in that bag. Yeah, because that's all of my GameCube stuff. It has... Probably Melee Wii controllers and stuff. All the Wii stuff. I think it has the Wii in it. Okay. So that was the college bag, but I haven't looked in that bag in two years. So okay, we'll find it. It's got to be somewhere. Yeah. That all about Mario Sunshine? Yes. Okay. Game. I would agree. It's a terrific uh, 3D Mario game. My number six is also a 3D platformer. Ryan, it was so tough for me to leave Banjo Kazooie out. Banjo Kazooie. And this game were kind of tied at six, but I'm like, I need to hone in on one specific game, and that is Donkey Kong 64. Okay. It is the collectathon to end all collectathons, if I'm being honest. Not in terms of its quality necessarily, but just in terms of the amount you collect in this game and can yeah. collect. You know, there's golden bananas, there's regular bananas, there's um, coins. I don't know. There's so much crap in this game to the point where. It's almost a detriment to the experience because yeah. I'm such a completionist when it comes to platformers that, you know, ukulele, the impossible layer ukulele, um, Banjo-Kazooie, whatever it is, I want to collect all there is. And it's, what's the, so there's quadrupled, what's the fifth one if there's five? Pentupled? Yeah, it's like pentupled because there's five playable characters and you have to do that for each But just each of the different worlds that you explore in this game are so, so memorable. The music, of course, I always come back to music, particularly with the N64. It's so memorable to me. But I think what kind of put this over the edge in terms of a 3D platformer for me um, and kind of kicked Banjo to the side was the multiplayer. Okay. Now, I know Banjo 2, we had multiplayer, but I haven't played that. So I, of course, wasn't making the list. 
But the number of nights that my sister and our cousins actually stayed up late playing the Banjo, or not Banjo, Donkey Kong 64 multiplayer. You're was, cheating on Donkey Kong right now. <laughs> well, it was so fun because, you know, each of the different characters have their varying types of guns. And, you know, they're shooting out peanuts and coconuts yeah. and oranges. Well, this is the one all three of us sucked at. Yeah, we played. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's aged very well. But yeah. certainly for the time that I played it, you know, time and place as a child, as yeah. a kid growing up, so memorable, so many good nights. The music that actually plays has come up in some N64 playlists that I've listened to before, and it's like a snapshot back in time. I can see myself, you know, at my mom's house, sitting on the floor with a bunch of blank- blankets and, you know, potato skins and mm-hmm. um, Friday's mozzarella sticks just playing this game with my... Did you ever have the swan vans come around? Yeah, those are the ones that terrify me. I thought they were going to take me. They, really? Like, they're, yeah, so I was really afraid of being taken as a child. Your mom made you guys afraid because she like... She hyped that shit up. Like, every van, every other vehicle except for my vehicle. It's going to steal you. Yeah. Cut off your limbs. So I don't know what it was because it's not like I watched like crazy child abduction. Yeah, or like Pet Cemetery. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like I watched crazy child abduction shows growing up. But I was always afraid of cars that past my house like if i was outside by myself and my sister wasn't there my parents weren't there if i saw a car pass by i would freak out so i remember one time specifically a swan van came up to my house because my dad earlier on in his career he always wore suits Mm -hmm. and so he had a lot of dry cleaning that would come to the house to and from and so i remember a swan van coming up i saw this car come up someone got out of the vehicle i burst into tears ran into the house to my mama and said mom someone's trying to kidnap me and she walked to the front with me and was like you know rusty honey it's just the van they're coming to take daddy's shirts but i just like freaked the heck out and so they want to sell us mozzarella sticks yeah so yes i did I okay swan well vans. that i had happier memories about swan vans because they sold us some mozzarella sticks <laughs> really yeah like the dry cleaning places no swan the swan it was like a delivery truck for food like you could get buy swan food. Oh, see, so yeah, maybe it wasn't a swan van, but just the dry cleaning truck or van or whatever it was. Oh, okay, a little bit different. Yeah. I was thinking it was a truck with food from. I don't know. It's just a swan van. All right, what was your game you're talking about? Donkey Kong <laughs> sixty four. Yeah, and I replayed it. Uh, actually, got further this time in the single player than I ever have as a child. So you've never beaten it? No, I've not. I've gotten so close. I think I have like two worlds left, and then I get into kind of the end game, if you will. Mm. You go to K- King K. Rool's castle, I think. Yeah. And that's kind of like the final levels. Okay. I'll get to it someday, Ryan. Yeah, someday. But now, Ryan, we are in the top five games of our youth. Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready, too. So uh, why don't you kick it off? All right. So my number five game for my childhood is Mario Golf on the GameCube. Nice. Toadstool Tour. Yeah. No, I... Because you've been talking ever since I met you about the number of times you've played golf games with your dad on the PSP. Yes, specifically Hot Shots Golf. Yes. Open tee. And one thing I would love for them to remake is this Mario Golf game. Mm-hmm. I played the crap out of it. And I think we, we've talked about it before on the podcast, like all the hidden characters. Mm-hmm. You get Baby Bowser and like Metal Mario and like some ghosts and things. Along with all the like main like Mario, Luigi, Peach, and them, mm-hmm. but it was just so much fun. Like it was just simplistic and challenging. Well, that and... three button click system is relatively simple when you think about it because you 
you click the button to start the meter, which is the the amount of power that you're going to have in your swing. Yeah. And you click it again, and then you have to hit the the third click to make sure that your accuracy of your shot will be good. Yeah, and, but on the third click, you're also able to do, with that fin- finishing click, A, B, B, A, and like change up the spins mm-hmm. based off of that final click. Not to take into account also that, or I guess you should have to take into account, like, the wind, whether it's raining or storming or not, and you have to take all those things into consideration, it actually makes for a relatively complex golf game. Yeah, there. I was trying to... I ended up rage quitting the game, but I still love it. Um, it was get a birdie on, I think, all 18 holes mm-hmm. in one of the like tree courses, and then you got unlocked one of the characters, and I was never able to do it. I was always one birdie off. Ah, bummer. So... I think it was because I was a kid and I didn't know what I was doing, but I was close. You should really try and get everybody's golf on the PS4. Everybody's golf. Because that's the the successor to Hot Shots Golf okay. on the previous uh, Sony consoles. And it was actually labeled as everybody's golf in Japan when it was released for the prior Hot Shots games. But it plays so similar to Mario Golf. I would say the music is nowhere as good. I always loved the music in Mario Golf on the N64 and yeah. certainly on the GameCube. And then the Game Boy Advance game is actually excellent as well because... There's kind of an RPG mechanic where you actually get to um, allocate, you know, attributes and stats to your your various um, like accuracy, strength, and things like that to power yeah. up your character. So, and then you can unlock Sting as your golf club, and then you can, I mean, face off Nazgul's. Yes, you can on do the that. Back nine. Yep, that was the thing too. Yeah, Witch King was the ultimate boss. Yeah, I mean, he had a rough course. I mean, you'd think it'd be, like, designed by Jack Nicholas, but no, it was the Witch King <laughs> It was. Up in Mordor. Sauron himself, folks. Coming in at number five for me is a game, a little indie game. Not many people have played it. Super Smash Brothers Melee. Really? Yeah. That low on your list? That low or that high? What do you mean? That's pretty low. Yeah, it is. Top five. Yeah, well, these next four games, I think people understand why. The stories that are associated or tied to those top four games... Or what make them, you know, better than... I wouldn't even say better than, but for me personally, it's more of a nostalgic thing. Mm-hmm. And But Super Smash Brothers Melee, what can I say that hasn't been said? When you take the N64 game and compare it to something like this, the roster must have gone from, like, I don't know, 8 to 10 people to who knows how many. They, they multiplied it by some ridiculous number. Yeah. The number of maps was insane. Not to mention you could still play some of the classic maps in Melee itself. Yes. Was there any kind of... Uh, there wasn't any kind of campaign, but there was like different types of challenges. There were challenges, I think there are 51 or 52, with the final one being, well, the second to the final one being Master Hand and Crazy Hand. Mm-hmm. And then you beat that and then unlocked a crazy one, which was like Giga Bowser, Mewtwo, and Ganondorf against you. Yeah. And if you beat that, you unlocked Final Destination as a playable map. So just to add that extra layer of playability, or replayability was amazing. But these games are to be played co-op with friends or split yep. screen. You have a bunch of friends over, whether it's a sleepover, just a couple buddies over to have a party. I mean, I cannot even count on the number of hands, fingers, toes and knees, the number of sleepovers that I had playing this game until some stupid hour in the morning. Link was always my main in Melee. Really? Didn't make the transition to Brawl because he was a lot slower in Brawl. But in Melee specifically, he was my favorite character, as he was in the N64 version. But such a well-polished game with the at the with the addition of the number of characters you could play as in this game, plus the additional stages. Uh, it certainly makes my list, and it was just such a great party game back in the day. Did you ever get Mewtwo back on Melee? What did you have to do to get him? It was like 
be or play Pokemon Stadium for like 12 hours or like during one match or something like that. Mm. So you'd have to like put your two characters in the middle of Pokemon Stadium, leave your thing over or on overnight and then win as one of your characters and then whoever you won as you got to fight Mewtwo. I cannot say I did. Okay. No. Well that that was like cheat CC figuring out like how to unlock these characters back when that was a thing. Okay. Yeah, I never did that, I don't think. But but still such a great game nonetheless. Yeah. No, I this is definitely in my top five. I figured it would be. But yeah, yeah, that's number five for me. So what's number four for you, Ryan? My number four is Pokemon Blue version. Excellent choice. Yes. I nothing beats the nostalgia and like those like play yard or playground discussions and battles with these Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And like whoever found like Missingo for the first time, like, dude, I think my game's glitch. Like, did you capture it kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Or theorizing that Mew was in the back of that truck. Do you, do you remember that? No. So like there was a theory that to unlock Mew, there was like this truck that you had to do some special like quest thing to unlock Mew. And like everyone, that was like the theory passed around the playground. And everyone knew that to be the fact. And then, like, one person had Mew, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's totally what I did. But really, you have to catch, like, an Abra, mm-hmm. and then you have to teleport up from, like, there's that route above Misty's Gym. Yep, yep. And you, there's the guy to the left in the, like, at the top and the left in the grass. The second he sees you, you have to teleport with Abra. Mm-hmm. And you go back to the uh, Poké Center, and then you have to go back up the path, and then Mew appears. And that's how you do it. So you've gotten the 151 for your Game Boy version? I I think I got like 140 or something, and then the non-tradables are the ones I didn't have. Okay. So basically... So I blue version, but then I did that more recently than like back in the day. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have two Game Boy Colors. Yeah. Yeah. I never got 151. I don't even know if I ever broke 100, honestly. I was never about collecting them all as a kid, even though that was literally the... The, the tagline to that, that series, I was just more Gotta about... Gotta catch them all! Gotta catch them all! Yeah, too intense for me. I was more just about defeating the trainers, getting to the Elite Four. But I think just the the um, the hype around the playground discussions with your friends, you know, rushing to your nearest buddy and saying, hey, have you beaten this gym yet? Have you gotten this Pokemon? Oh, like, Masinga was, like, the craziest thing. Like, when I got to that and figured I could get 99 rare candies, I mean, yeah. my childhood mind... the seventh in your bag was the item Yeah, that exactly. And that was something I found on Game FAQs. That wasn't something that randomly some friend of mine got you know 99 potions randomly yeah it was just like you read that online it was like let's let's give this a shot and it was really crazy like you can unlock like gold ducks and things that were like level 100 or 300 mm-hmm. above that 99 cap or level 100 cap yeah which just in that same area that missingo was mm-hmm. next to what cinnabar island yeah. or whatever it was mm-hmm. yeah good stuff such a good game really good choice my number four is a game that I, I probably mentioned pretty much every podcast, and that's Perfect Dark on yes. the N64. A first-person shooter, Joanna Dark being the main protagonist, of course kind of the spiritual successor, if you will, to Goldeneye on the N64, made by Rare, composed by the legendary composer Grant Kirkhope himself. I play this game probably every week, even if I only do one combat simulator round, but growing up playing this game with my buddies was just something that 
we always ended up coming back to probably more so than GoldenEye and even more than Halo, you know, when we moved to that next generation of games just because um, it was just so fun. It just resulted in some of the most crazy conversations, lots of laughter, especially when you had like the Slayers and Proximity Mines or some of the other crazy guns like the the Farsight, the Cyclones, the... Um, K7 Avenger, like some of these the ridiculous guns that eventually you see in games like Resistance with just the the amount of time that went into creating some of these yeah. wacky guns. Um, but not only does it have a terrific multiplayer component in Combat Simulator where you can, you know, configure the, your, your favorite levels, your favorite weapons, the number of simulants that you want so you can not only play against your friends, but you can have a bunch of, you know, computer-controlled simulants that are in the game to uh, just kind of enhance the experience. They can be super stupid called meat sims or they can be hard and normal sims where it makes it a lot more challenging but then you have a, a, a single player campaign to boot as well that you can play the entirety of side by side with a friend something that you know back in the year 2000 was just spinning heads because you'll be able to play the entire campaign with a friend in addition to how much time went into developing the multiplayer aspect could you play the original 007 as like split screen co-op or was that was Perfect Dark before that? Perfect Dark came out in 2000. I think GoldenEye came out in 1998. Gold, yeah. And you could only play uh, GoldenEye, the campaign itself, in single player. You could not play that oh, okay. multiplayer. Yeah. So it was pretty revolutionary for the time. Yeah. But, I mean, I talk about it every episode. I, there's nothing I could say now that I already haven't said previously. Have you gotten to the rank that you wanted? Gosh, no, that'll take years. How close are you now? Because it's like, like 10,000 battles or whatever. Yeah, it's stupid. I'm like 15. Uh, you know, and you start at like 20. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I don't. I can't put the kind of Monster Hunter and Pokemon time that you put into those games. I just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for me, like, at least Pokemon, it's like, oh, I get a new Pokemon. But you're getting it pretty, you know, repetitiously. And this, I'd have to put like six hours of gameplay and it's like, oh, you level up. But it's not like I'm unlocking something. It's just the satisfaction of seeing a number go from 15 to 14. Yeah. You know, so I'm not getting a, a great sense of satisfaction. I'm Put not on a spreadsheet. I don't Put have time a timeline to No, I don't have time for that. And there's no trophies. Make it a job. <laughs> like, I'm not unlocking anything that's really rewarding me for yeah. it. It's just bragging rights at this point. And um, so, yeah, I'm not in a rush to do that. Well, I just like, I think the first time you showed that to me, you're like, dude, look at how awesome this was. I'm so good with a sniper. And then you just got picked off, like, immediately. Yeah. With the far sights. Yeah. Excellent it was weapon. A good time. It's a great time. Love my love my perfect dark. Love the soundtrack. I love everything about it, Ryan. I can tell. Yeah. What's your number three? My number three is Lord of the Rings: Return of the King on the Game Boy Advance. Really, the Game Boy Advance version? Yes. Huh? Yeah. Well, we played the GameCube a lot, Lauren and I, mm-hmm. and it was great playing like Gandalf and playing as Legolas, where he had like triple shot by the end of the Battle of Helm's Deep. I think it was. But, um, yeah, no, this game was amazing. So I used to play on the schoolyard with Max. Mm-hmm. And during, so we both had it and we can play together. And during the spring, he had allergies. So, owned, unfortunately, we had to stay inside and play with our Game Boys. What a little bitch. Suffer. But, no, it was, it was amazing. Um, you basically go through the entire plot line of Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. And it was my first major introduction to kind of that RPG feel. Mm -hmm. Being able to customize your armor. It didn't change the look because the pixels were, I mean, it's a Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's very pixely now. I still have it at my apartment. I got back on. I think I beat some Nazgul's and the Witch King. But, like, yeah, it's being able to customize your character, deck out, change stats, level up. Oh, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And it really led into, like, where you get into Monster Hunter being in Dark Souls. And it was kind of the start of that addiction. Yeah, with RPGs. Yeah. So I have uh, I had a maxed out Legolas character. And then I accidentally, like, it was really confusing back in the day, like, save or, like, delete your character. Oh, yeah. I, like, I went to load my character, but it deleted it. So I deleted my maxed out Legolas. My favorite armor, I had, like, this crazy legendary bow and I deleted it and I'm just sitting there like on the playground looking at it <laughs> devastated like I I felt like I just had a divorce oh yeah with mm-hmm. my favorite character the worst and I had to start over again and I leveled him back up and I still don't have that legendary bow you'll get there Ryan yeah maybe eventually and then my Gandalf he like he does a staff beam thing mm-hmm. so like he could use a shield around him and then he could, like, plunge his uh, staff into the ground and it shut, like, a, be- a particle beam. Basically a Kamehameha wave from his staff, which sure. every old man wants. Absolutely. And basically I leveled up my Magicka so Based much. Viagra for that now, Ryan, though. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Do you want to shoot particle beams from your staff? Yeah. <laughs> Take a blue pill. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Viagra. Sponsored by Gandalf. <laughs> and Otaku Brothers. Um, yeah, so I was able to do it, like, eight beams in a row, which was just insane. Because nice. it was such a powerful, like, thrusting attack. No, you know, <laughs> it was such a powerful beam. Oh, I'm sure it was, Ryan. Yeah. All right, what is your number three? Well, uh, funny enough, Ryan, when you said Lord of the Rings Return of the King, I was like, dude, we're going to have the same game. So I also have Lord of the Rings The Return of the King on my list at number three, but I have the PS2 version. Okay. So I've told this story a number of times, but for any new listeners out there, I will give this you... the wall one, right? The one where you go with the quests up the wall? Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah. Um, I'll do the kind of the Spark Notes version. So my mom didn't have the most lucrative professions, and uh, she was a hairstylist. She cuts hair for a living. And so my parents divorced when I was five, and so she cared for, of course, my sister and I. My dad, we was a, you know, we, we go to both places, my dad and yeah. my mom's place. But when we went to my mom's place, I wasn't expecting to get... Um, a ton of things for Christmas, which was totally fine, but this was the year that Return of the King was being released in the theaters. And I was greatly anticipating the PS2 game because I saw the trailers, I'd played Two Towers previously, and I was very much excited for this game to play alongside the film. And so for, for months, I had been begging and pleading with my mom to get this game for me with a PlayStation 2 because I, of course, had a PS2 at my dad's, but I wanted to have one in my mom's house to be able to play this game uh, with her boyfriend at the time specifically because he'd read the books. He was a big reader. And he loved Stephen King. He read all the Hardy, Harry Potter books, read all the Lord of the Rings books. I thought you almost said Hardy Boys. I almost did, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I wanted to play this game co-op with him, yeah. particularly my sister because he wasn't a big gamer. But all of that to say, uh, leading up to Christmas, my mom was saying, Rusty, it's probably not going to work out. I don't have the, the money to be able to purchase this system in this game. And I was okay with it. I was an understanding kid. It wasn't like I was throwing a bunch of you know temper tantrums or anything like that. But lo and behold, Christmas Day comes. My sister and I are ripping through all of our gifts. We get some clothes. We get some socks. Get a couple seasons of The Simpsons. Maybe Baja Man on the CD. You know, I don't know what I was getting back in those days. And then my mom said there was one gift left for both my sister and I. So she pulls out a box for my sister that's making noises. It was a ferret, actually. We named her Jasmine. She was the cutest little creature. We had her for about 10 years. And then 
she said, Rusty, there's also another gift for you. And she brings out this generic brown box. And I'm thinking this could be a new pair of Nikes. This could be a new PS2. This might be a gift card to Best Buy or Media Play at the bottom of this box. I had no yeah. idea. Maybe a box of Mike and Ike's. So I rip open this box, get to the bottom. I see this fat PS2 with a brand new copy of Return of the King. I lost my shit. I passed out, woke back up. My sister and I plugged the console in, and we played this game till the night is long. Passed out on an alien spaceship, woke up, back playing Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and so (laughs) playing that game was just absolutely mesmerizing for a young 10-year-old Rusty because not only was I playing, you know, as Aragorn, Gandalf, Gimli, Legolas, and even that Hobbit path as Frodo and Sam. That was a hard path. Very difficult, especially uh, Shellob's lair. Yeah. That was well, the worst. Well, you had to grunt. Like, the first level was just impossible without co-op. Was it like, Osgiliath? Because it was the end of the two towers, so I think it was Osgiliath yeah. escaping there. Then Faramir let you go. Well, you had to, like, grind that level a few times just to level up to be good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Was there skill trees per character? How did that work? Not necessarily skill trees. You leveled up, and then you unlocked a new, like, set of skills so for Legolas specifically, level. by the end, you could do a dual like purple arrow shot yes. that just murdered people. And then same thing with Legolas, or uh, same thing with Aragorn and Gimli and the other characters as okay. well. So it was per level opposed yeah. to like pick your own. Yep. So not only could you play this wild cast of characters, but you saw footage from the actual films. So you saw some of the footage of the uh, the Rohirrim riding down for Helm's Deep with, with Gandalf leading that charge. And then you also saw footage from The Return of the King itself before I even saw the movie in theaters. So for me, it just hit all the beats that I could have possibly wanted. And looking back on those memories, it could not have not made the top three list. And that's why it's number three for me. I still love going back and playing that game. It's so fun. Do you still have it here? Of course I do. All right, we should play it sometime. Absolutely. Because I missed that game. We played so many hours. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So my number two is... Animal Crossing on the DS. Nice. Yeah. The, the 3DS version? New Leaf? No, just the regular, the first, or the GameCube one. Really all of them. Okay. Before whatever the cutoff is. I think New Leaf is a 3DS, which is new gen. Yeah, so that's right. So it would be GameCube is the first one, which mm-hmm. is, the first time I ever saw this was in, a girl in my grade's little brother was playing in his basement. Mm-hmm. And this is the same guy that like, I tried to kiss Lauren, and she threatened his life. Nice. Like, because my dad used to work at a place, um, was it Raytheon, mm-hmm. that made missiles for the government. So he, like, purchased magnets or something, and he had one of these missile magnets in our basement. And we're like, oh, that's really cool. That's a really powerful magnet, as you would need for a missile. And Lauren was like, she threatened this kid, was like, hey, Ryan knows how to make a bomb. <laughs> oh, gosh. Out of the stuff that dad has in his basement, you screw up enough, he'll blow you up. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, alright. I didn't know any of this. She'd also said that I made a like a calendar. And like I count the number of mistakes he makes and then I'll beat him up. So how does this tie back to Tom Nook and Animal Crossing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like we're in the kid's basement that Lauren eventually threatened. Okay. With me. Yep. And he was just playing this game that was just so adorable. I was like, what the hell is this? He's like, oh, it's Animal Crossing. And, like, he goes into his house. He has his furniture. There's, like, a freaking gopher thing. It gets pissed off if you shut it off wrong. Mm -hmm. And then I just took the controller and monopolized the GameCube in his house. Yeah, you did. For, like, three hours. Just catching red snappers and the little white, black, like, striped fish, which Mm -hmm. were worth 5,000 bells. And red snappers were 3,000 bells. 
They were just making bank trying to pay Racking off the up house. the bells. And they're just such fun games. I'm I'm debating which one I'm more excited for for the Switch. If it's Animal Crossing next year or Pokemon. You know, in a couple weeks, yeah. Yeah. It's tough to say. I mean, Pokemon, you have a very clear-cut objective. You want to get the Elite Four. You want to beat all these ba- uh, these gym, ba- get your gym badges, collect these new Pokemon. But Animal Crossing is just one of those games that you completely lose yourself in. Yeah. And you don't have you have a clear goal. You want to get all the fossils. You want to get all the fish and expand your you know your um your inventory of those. You want to look unlock all the different furniture from Tom Nook's store and like the little. A thing to max out your house. Yep, you know, expand the house itself and get two, three levels and just deck it out to be this awesome mansion. But at the same time, it never feels like you're putting in effort. No. I mean, you're, I mean, you're trying to pay your mortgage, which is more fun in a virtual world than it is in the real world. <laughs> it certainly and is. paying rent is a lot easier in the fake world with, like, a bunch of fish. Let me just go whack a tree and get some, you know, fancy coins that happen to fall out of it. Yeah, or, like, from a beehive... You know, sell that. Sell a couple like, honeycombs. Bury a shovel and it turns out to be gold eventually. Might as well. And then you get all those little gyroids that make noise and like wobble around and just look insane. They do. No, I, I've i lost myself in the GameCube one, the DS one, and the 3DS one. And they're just so happy. And like with all the other games that I play, like Dark Souls and like frowny face kind of games. Yeah. It's just a breath of fresh air. The music is so chill. It's I don't want to try and replicate it, but you go look at like a relaxing Animal Crossing soundtrack on YouTube or a yeah. mix. Man, that music will put you right to sleep, and I mean that in the best of ways. You yeah. know, it's just perfect music to complement the gameplay experience that you're you're playing in Animal Crossing. Yeah. So. No, it's and in the new one, it looks like they're combining some of the aspects of like pick. The hell is that? I don't know what's going oh, on. Okay, it sounded like there was a raid on, <laughs> like Helms Deep outside. Yeah. Um, it is Sunday. Yeah, that is the time to raid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Oh, they're putting some of the like gathering resources aspect from like Minecraft in this one. Cool. The same came same, the same kind of setup. So it's gonna be great. Awesome. Yeah, Animal Crossing is the shit. I love Animal Crossing. Cannot wait to play it on the Switch. Ryan, my number two is also a Pokemon game. Is it? It's a game we've talked about, and I've told the story associated with this game before. I'll try and keep it brief again. That is Pokemon Platinum. Yes. The game on the DS from the Diamond and Pearl generation. Loved this game. It wasn't necessarily the uh, the Pokemon itself or the music or anything about the experience that really drove it to make my number two spot. It was the time and place that I played it. So, some general background here rusty was diagnosed with stuff in eighth grade an eating disorder i was hospitalized my sophomore year of college or high school i should say sophomore year of high school and i was sent to a treatment facility in wisconsin yes and when i went to this treatment facility i could bring very little personal belongings and one of them was my ds Mm -hmm. and so i brought that with pokemon platinum and for me when i was hospitalized and when i was at this treatment facility for two months missing my part of my junior year of high school I really just allowed this game to be my escape because at the time I was so malnourished and so unhealthy that I thought these people were like killing me. They're really saving me, but in order to kind of 
cope with the thought process thought processes that I was going through. You know, I was going through this game and collecting these Pokemon and beating these trainers and trying to get a complete Dex, and that very much was like my therapy and my way of escaping the reality that I then found myself in. Mm-hmm. And now I look back on it, and of course, healthy now, being able to see that 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 time period helped me, but this game also helped me through that experience. Yeah. And so for that, I have to include it in this list because. Now and forever, I'll be able to look back on this game and pop it into my DS and see the Pokemon that I collected over the course of that journey in my life. And it's it's almost like the game's kind of a trophy of achievement for me. You know, like I made it past that that period of my life that was very dark, yeah. and I used it to kind of I don't want it to be super cheesy, but find the light, so to speak. You know, I was able to kind of move past that time, yeah. and Pokemon helped me to do that. And I think video games for many folks help help people do that move up move past dark times and celebrate good ones yeah you know so and what better than pokemon what better than pokemon ryan i know i rag on you and shit on you so much about pokemon yeah, but to the point i'm not allowed to talk about it anymore that's, that's <laughs> right <laughs> but pokemon man good stuff you gotta love it and uh for me especially pokemon platinum was was there for me in a special time in my life Very so nice. that's number two for me ryan ringing in number one let's set the scene here it's a game that we have already talked about. I'm sure it is. It's um, it's a combination of really two games. It's just Super Smash in general, but Super Smash Melee and N64. Of course. Um, we've already talked about it on year number five, but they're just so fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, we had a Smash night last night with a bunch of our coworkers, and it was a ton of fun. It was seven of us. Playing on uh, what ultimate? Yep, and just some of the interactions between characters and the chaos, and it's just a lot of laughs and a ton of fun. And we were up until like one thirty in the morning, just smashing it out. What I love playing about what I love about this game is if you get a good group together to play, which we had an excellent group to play, yes. is that it's never like it's competitive but not aggressive. Like no. if you beat me or I beat you, it's like who cares? Let's start up another round. Like yeah. it's not like we're keeping tally it of who's like, that's winning. A nice kill kind yeah, of thing. awesome, dude. Like oh, look at that counter, and then you smack me in the back of the head with a sword, and then I flew off the map. It's like high five, whatever. Yeah. It's just such a great party game, and if you do get a good group of, of people together. It really is, as the name of the game would imply, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. It is the ultimate party game. Yeah, and for Melee and N64, it was that same kind of feel. Less drinking, because those was my childhood. Yeah, it was like <laughs> seven. <laughs> yeah. Jaeger I mean, bombs getting, for I days. Was hammered with the original like Cortana or what Cornaria. Yeah, Cornaria. Um, yeah, it's it's just such a good game, and like even, I mean, it, Brawl and is going to probably be on my other list next week. Yeah, but brawl in college like drinking with our roommates and like having above the fire code amount of people in a room yeah that's what these kind of games allow for and their friendship building and you get closer and you can yell at your friends for killing you as freaking jigglypuff with that little spinny bullshit move well and just the sense of you know tension that you have when both of there's only two people left you each have one life you're racking up 150 200 225 percent and it's like you get hit once and you're yeah. off the map you know and just like oh you know you're sitting there with the control in your hand you don't know what's gonna happen everyone's on the edge of their seat just that sense of crazy and chaotic and happened a lot last night oh it it's so good so much fun so, yeah yeah it's it was an easy choice that's no. where kind of where i started my list i'm like smash is number one and like Sma- Melee was the game that I had, well, 
Lauren and I used to fight as kids, and then we realized we had to see each other for a while. For basically the rest of our lives, we're like, this is bullshit, maybe we should be friends. Yeah. And I'm like, we should play Smash together, and Lauren and I would Smash, uh, or play Melee, and I put her through, like, Super Smash Bros., like a college course. And like we, boot camp. Yeah, boot camp, and I would teach her the ways of the melee. That's right. And like we it was like training courses and like ledge guarding and like hitting people off and like she was playing like jumping around characters last night and now she's kick ass. Yeah. Like she, she jumped is. on Lucina and was like winning. She was crushing last night. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a lot of it's a great game for bonding with mm-hmm. your friends. I agree. So so much. And it very easily could have made it into my top five. But as I said, I have I very number five. Or top four, I should say, oh, you know. Okay. But I had very personal stories tied to each of those games. And number yes. one, like, this is not surprising people. Really, this whole top ten shouldn't have surprised a whole lot of people because I've talked about so many of these games so often over the course of this podcast. Number one's Kingdom Hearts yes. on the PS2. I mean, it goes without saying, the first game, when I played this game down at my friend's best friend's house, we walked down and saw his older brothers playing this game. It was actually endgame content. They were fighting one of the bosses in Neverland. It was one of the post-game bosses that you can defeat. Yeah. But when I saw him, like, you know, gliding with Peter Pan and Donald and Goofy and fighting this gargantuan boss, and then when, when Scott and I started up a file ourselves, and we were in, you know, Traverse Town and Wonderland and Deep Jungle and Tarzan going to Agrabah and all these different Disney worlds fighting along these characters, it was mind-boggling. And to hear music from the films in the game was just... Again, just blew my childhood mind. To this day, I still absolutely adore the game, despite, and I will, you know, I'll admit, the platforming is atrocious. There's so many things about the game that do not stand the test of time, and I understand that. But for me personally, I booted the game back up, put five hours into it, and still had a hell of a time, and it still tugs on all the nostalgic strings for me of my childhood. You know, you know, mashing the worlds of Final Fantasy and Disney together. There's nothing better for me personally that they could have done. And I think it's been so successful. And while Kingdom Hearts 3 hasn't, didn't necessarily um, meet my expectations, I really don't think it ever could have, no. given the number of years that I've been waiting for that game. But even still, I th- I'm so excited about the future of this series. And I anxiously anticipate the next time I dive back into a Kingdom Hearts game. Yeah, because there's definitely going to be more on the horizon. There That's absolutely after is. the end game credit. And isn't there DLC coming for the third one? Too? There's DLC for the third, and we recently got word that there's been people hired along uh, hired at Square Enix to do a Kingdom Hearts HD remaster. Oh. We don't know what that is. Most of the Kingdom Hearts games have been remastered. Imagine, I'm wondering if they're bringing the games to Switch. Imagine one and two remastered like three on the switch that'd be amazing that'd be crazy because even like the the graphics when you go to like traverse town these different worlds you can see the age yeah. now the, the the graphics are still very vibrant and colorful and the character animations still look really good it's not look like you're playing a a clay animation n64 ps1 game yeah. in final fantasy 7 or something like that not to say that seven's a bad game but it has not <laughs> aged well graphically yeah let's be honest but to have those graphical styles of three for one and two for like current gen I'd happily buy those games again. I would too. Yeah. yeah. It would be my third time buying number one. Um, it was, the first time actually beating uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 was after... I think you got married to Lauren and we were preparing for number three. Yeah. And after getting past the island, which was my the thing that killed me in the first 
attempt. It was a ton of fun, mm-hmm. like hopping from world to world. And I mean, the story's crazy, incoherent, like, yeah, hell. doesn't make any sense. And we tried to, I tried to explain it, and I could have easily gone on for like more than an hour yeah. trying to explain that. But um, yeah, it's such a great game. It's a really fun action RPG. Now, certainly, you know, for the uh, the gummy ship bullshit in the first game, it's terrible yeah. and it's annoying. But uh, once you get past all that and you can start warping to other worlds, it just makes for a terrific little adventure. But, Ryan, those are our top 10 games of our youth. Yes. I think it's very well rounded on both sides. I'm very much anticipating hearing your top 10 games from your adult life. Mm-hmm. Next week, we are going to be recording that for episode 63, a call out to the listeners. Please, please, please continue to write in at the Gmail, Podcast at gmail.com. Write in with the games, I would say the, the past decade, including the Xbox 360, PS3, Wii generation of games. Write in with your top 10 games, or top 5 actually is what we're really asking you guys to do, because Ryan and I, of course, want to allow ample time for us to talk through our top 10, yeah. and you know the stories that we have associated with those games. But is this is what, three and a half hours in now? <laughs> we're, three, we're, we're approaching the three hour mark. Yeah. Granted, we talked about Star Wars at the back of this, or the front end of this episode, yeah. so it probably would have been around a two and a half hour episode. Okay. But we always um, encourage the listeners to write in at otakabrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Get in on the Discord. The link is in the show notes to this podcast here. Just click the link. You'll automatically be added to the server. It's a free application on your phone, or you can access it on your web browser as well. We want to thank everyone for listening to this podcast for 62 long episodes. We hope you're along for the uh, the journey. You'll stay with us. We got a lot more content packed in the next few weeks. We got, of course, the top 10 adulthood games next week, and then the N64 Spectacular and episode 64 coming oh, in two yeah. weeks. So. Stay tuned for that. Ryan, any parting words for our listeners? Yeah, just have a good week. Um, the top 10, I mean, current games are, is going to be really difficult because that I played more as an adult and you played more as a kid than I did. So The unfortunate thing for me, Ryan, is that I played too much shit as a kid and as an adult. Yeah. So. Well, now you have the money to play like unlimited amounts. That's right. Until Lauren kills you. That's also true. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, have a good week. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Later. Later.